1: Revely, Revely, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This
2: is Morning Combat. What a weekend! What a show! What an event! And what a podcast! An award-winning podcast here on this Monday morning, the 21st of March, 2022. It is time, ladies and gentlemen, mostly gentlemen, really, mostly January 6th, gentlemen, for Morning Combat. Hello, everyone. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of Estados Unidos right here in Washington, D.C. I am joined by the Viceroy of Connecticut, who was very quiet on the interwebs and text messages this weekend. I'm guessing he got out and got some sun, although looks more pink than anything it's my friend in yours with a hunting hat who he's never been hunting it's brian campbell hi brian
1: uh, thank you luke I, I again i don't wear this hat for style i wear it for its high t message to those that want to doubt me or or confront me luke it, it does you know it does look like like i've killed an animal right luke like like it like it's possible right i mean no, here is not. something it does
2: it does, it does it does not look possible
1: they don't understand, right, Luke? Um, yeah, so hey, I'm back. It's Monday. You and I are gonna catch a plane for uh South Beach soon or Fort Lauderdale, whatever, wherever the hell we're going. But uh as we speak today, Luke, the weather's changing, optimism abound. Um, I'm fired up, Luke. I mean, they want the bod. Here's the hot rod, right? You know where I'm going with that? I don't know where is that from? Uh shoop. Baby. Ah. Okay. Alright,
2: well however you're feeling on this fine Monday morning. Where were you? Like what did you do?
1: You know, I went uh for a four mile walk around the neighborhood, Luke, but just getting that seventy degrees it was like uh injection season, Luke. It was it was fantastic. So uh great, great stuff. Um did you know, did the family stuff, Luke, okay? Feel refreshed, feel ready. You know, Luke, like you know, spring it, it happens every year. It comes after that. That, uh, you know, pit of despair we call winter for those of us that don't ski, apparently, because the skiers, Luke, they're living it up. I mean, these these people have oh, no, no idea it's winter. Right. You know, they're snorting the mountain. They're so happy. But for the rest of us, Luke, uh, spring is it's it's springs eternal, Luke. OK, hope, joy, optimism, uh, the idea of uh, of not being fat and, and being happy every day. It's fantastic, Luke. So, you know, uh, I'll drink to that. Thank you.
2: Fair enough. Well, speaking of all of the celebrity, uh, or I should say the celebrations, UFC London, an incredible event over the weekend. There was some boxing as well that was not as good. We'll talk about all of it here. So thumbs up on the video if you're watching on YouTube. Hit subscribe. If you're listening on a podcast platform, whichever one that may be, please give us a nice review. Always remember, Showtime is the label that pays. If you want to give Showtime a try, you can go to showtime.com. And get a 30 day free trial. If you like it, keep it. If not, you may do other things with your life and time. Morningcombat at gmail.com will be the email for Wednesdays, ups and Fridays at Run. What's up, you see?
1: You know, I wanted to jump in before you got in, before you slammed it, the door shut, and started our five topics and say, you're holding it together pretty well for what happened this morning, Luke. With uh, yes, your recording of you don't, um, you, don't,
2: you don't even know the half of it. It actually gets much worse than that. So. You
1: were so for the people to know you recorded extra credit. Your your spinoff show. Your you know what I mean. You're your perfect strangers to Family Matters, right? And um, and you didn't record the audio. And Luke, got, you know it's like it, you it's man. You know, I used to... Remember as a kid, they had that game, Domino Rally? That game drove me to, like, insanity because you'd try to set up, like, you know, 5,000 dominoes and, like, a cat would run by and knock it over and then, like, you'd just fall apart emotionally and, and like, scream. Um, You could have been there, Luke, but I want to say that not only do I have your back, do the viewers, but our staff, while you were sleeping, while you were angry, um, we repaired it. So we've got the footage right now, Gaff and Corey. Um... And we're proud of it. Here's Luke attempting to um, to record uh, extra credit this morning without um, without volume on. Yeah, I mean that's Burger, just, <laughs> that's, fries, just some, uh, and a that's just some some sloppy Don't shit, Luke. Me. Okay, I mean. I'm eating. Shout out if to it Carl. does get all over yes. the place. All right. It doesn't belong in your face.
2: Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, merch store. Combat, uh, dot store is going to be the place for merch if you'd like to go there. And uh, last but certainly not least, Athletic Greens, BC. If, I don't know if you're too busy doing fuckhead bits to uh, be involved here, but our next partner has a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I want better health, more energy, and I don't like taking all those pills and vitamins, B.C.
1: I mean, i got to stand right behind with you, Luke. We love it. I love it. I'm not only the uh, hair club president. I'm clearly also a client here. Um, It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, and that matters to to donks like me. It, It has kind of a mild tropical taste. I look forward to it each morning. You know my questionable techniques of how i refill and don't stir luke so i can keep that flavor going all day but uh it's fantastic
2: one scoop it's all you need each day 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics for your gut health and adaptogens to help you start your day right
1: and luke it's a special blend of ingredients it supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and, and aging i feel younger luke I, it tastes younger
2: uh easy to use
1: on days when we're working and when we're not you're damn right and it's so convenient um i have traveled with it and today i'm gonna do it once more all right folks
2: it's lifestyle friendly whether you eat keto paleo vegan dairy-free or gluten-free contains less than one gram of sugar no gmos no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good
1: and it costs less than $3 per day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your damn cold brew slash vape habit.
2: Taking Athletic Greens is a small micro habit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself.
1: Yeah, but don't just ask us, Luke. Athletic Greens is over 7,005 star reviews, and is trusted by leading health eg- experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais.
2: All right, so right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the flu and cold season. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health.
1: Yeah, and also, Luke, uh, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give our, our viewers right here, our listeners, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I've already used all five very quickly. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat combat with a k again
2: that's athletic greens that's right that's athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance all right with that out of the way i believe we are done with our pre show rambling let's get started on our top five all right bc i don't know what else there would be to talk about to start today's show other than ufc london what an event historic in many ways nine performance bonuses handed out you were indicating before the show how dana white just looked to be glowing after the fact but let's start with that main event tom aspinall basically made short work of alexander volkov even surprising people like me who i knew he was good i i didn't know he was going to do all that okay bc is the brit the heavyweight brit worth the hype after what he did on saturday
1: Uh, He made it look so easy. And I know a lot of people had a lot of fun with, you know, old BC saying, look, I got to see it to believe it. Look, I don't even really think we've seen it yet. And I don't say that to take anything away from Aspinall. It just was so damn easy what he did to Volkov, a guy who, you know, I couldn't talk up higher coming in about how battle-tested and tough and maybe, maybe looking like he's got his best run to come. And he just got steamrolled and it was over before it was over, and then it was over. So Aspinall, does he still have things to prove? Of course, but the frenzy that's going along with him and him being a very key part of this class of UK and Ireland-based fighters right now, and, and it cannot be overstated what that crowd felt like through the screen, the energy of the building and what it fueled the fighters to produce those performances, and obviously... And no wonder Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua are ringside with, you know, free tickets to get a taste of it. We already know it's like that in in UK boxing, but, you know, it it was a a wake-up call for all, Dana White included, to realize the potential out there. And Tom Espinall, Luke, is in this very perfect spot of being young, you know, sort of decent tat setup, Luke, okay? Decent tat patterns going on there, but also be a guy with monster potential. He ain't afraid of shit. He fights so easy and smooth, Luke. I don't really know how great he can be, but there's no use in, in standing up here anymore and trying to you know, decode against that because he's got momentum. He's coming on, Luke. It's going to be fun watching how far he can go. Um, I, I, you know, I'll take the Kodo knee, knee in round 10 here, Luke. I'll tell you, I was wrong, but I'm happy to be wrong here. I mean, well,
2: I, I'd be curious to like ask you what stood out as impressive. I, I think you alluded to one of the things, right? One is he's calm, very calm. He doesn't seem to get too high, too low, stays right in the middle. That enables him to make good, sound decisions. That would be one thing I'd say. Two, his hand speed. His hand speed was noticeably super quick. Volkov looked like he was standing in mud in terms of his ability to move both his hands and his feet. Relative to Aspinall, who's just so athletic and so quick. And then the other one was, we had talked about it on Friday, BC. We're like, he's got to make sure that he doesn't stand too far apart from Volkov or just give Volkov room to move on the backside either, right? So, in either way, that has to be constricted. I didn't know if necessarily that was going to be from the takedown, but sure enough, it was. Dude, he got it, no problem. His entry was quick. and. Like, well, so Luke, like I gotta he, say, he's you're right that we haven't seen him tested in the sense of someone like put it on him and he had to respond, like Paul Craig or something like that. That is true. But all the other pieces indicate to me we're dealing with somebody special here.
1: Yes. And he's so efficient at doing very high-level stuff, very powerful, quick stuff, and just, I mean, executing like a ninja out there for a guy his size. And by the way, he has a legitimate heavyweight size at 6'5", and in that build... But he does it so quickly, Luke, that I'm going, what the hell's wrong with Volkov? Like, did he have a seizure on the walk in here? Like, what happened? And obviously, Luke, it's that next level stuff that we even talked about ahead of this fight with him that is freezing his opponents and making them look stuck in the mud. Or, you know, it took me a a second, third replay to go, oh, yeah, dude, he would, you know, Volkov doesn't tap there, his arms, I mean, you're going to be, you can sell it as a souvenir on the way out. Um, So it really was all that subtle stuff coming together for Aspinall. And guys are having a trouble picking up on the speed and the movement of his fastball, so to speak, Luke. They're having trouble figuring out exactly where this guy's coming from and what's he what he's got. And again, I'm having that same trouble trying to analyze him, but you can tell it's something special and um Perfect timing again for this movement to happen. He's sort of one of the big faces of it at the moment. Although you know Dana said after he would have loved for this card to have been a pay per view with Usman Leon Edwards as the top, and you know you certainly Mm. couldn't hate on that as well. But dude, Aspinall took his opportunity, Luke, against a guy I didn't think he should have been favored to beat, and he beat the. I mean, he beat the shit out of him, Luke. I mean, it wasn't a sustained beating because it was so quick and efficient. But yeah, dude, he he just. He's just like, nah, no, it it might be real. It might be real after all, Luke. So all of our um, passionate MK UK fans and Irish fans, um, you know, you felt that. You know, you, you dog whistled that shit. You know what I mean? You were like those owls, 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 owls who know the storm's coming, Luke, long time before the weathermen do. And they're already preparing their exit strategy, right?
2: Uh, I'm not sure if owls do that, Um, but the question I would have is, you thought, and I I agreed with you uh, to a large extent on Friday, which was Volkov seemed like a really good test relative to where Aspinall had been previously. What would you have liked to have seen that we didn't see? In other words, what we did see was limited. I mean, it was less than a round, but it was so conclusive that you can at least draw something from that. What would you have preferred to see that would make you better understand Tom Aspinall? What, what did Volkov fail to do?
1: Yeah, so so because Aspinall really is some of these things that he's teasing, this, this next level sort of athleticism and flash, I think he's freezing these guys. Again, I didn't think Volkov was going to be at the level where that could affect him that well, that well. So that's the big surprise for me from Aspinall. But what, what I would have liked is if Volkov did what I thought he was going to do, which was stand in there and be able to trade and and, and establish his jab and establish a kicking threat which he did in the you know very beginning but but never did anything else of note after that of course but you want to see Luke Rollins for Aspinall which was the only major glaring thing he hadn't yet to prove to us in his in his run and still hasn't so that's fair but um you would have liked to see him push there by having his ideas of taking the lead offensively and being that creative and efficient. I mean, again, we thought, hey, man, he might have to crowd. uh, He might have to get inside that reach of Volkov. And like you said, Luke, he got inside that with ease and took him down with ease. We didn't see him have to adjust to to being stopped, to having his plan A stopped. So that's what I would have liked to have seen, some of those intangibles that, you know, flashy fighters, if they don't have, they'll, they'll show you right up front as soon as they step up. This was that step-up opportunity, Luke, and we still didn't see shit because he's really that good, okay? I mean, he's really that good. Right now, Luke, I feel—tell I, feel, I feel, tell me if you're wrong. And this does pivot into the what's next category because he did call out Ty Tuivasa. But as much as Tuivasa surprised the absolute shit out of us against Derrick Lewis in terms of his Luke Thomas patented upper bound limits— Dude, I'm way more confident at Tom Aspinall's at this moment. I mean, he seems to—he he didn't get into the Sweet 16 of this tournament because he upset some people. Yeah, dude, this—you this, know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it might be. It might, dude, you know, I, I can't say that with, with full passion and confidence until he goes four or five rounds. But, yeah, something special. Look, am I drunk on London right now? I might be a little drunk. We're probably all a little
2: bit drunk on London because the the atmosphere in, the, as you indicated, the UK and Ireland is just, it's unparalleled, it's unmatched, especially on the boxing side.
1: But dude, right you know now. how good Volkoff is. You know how good he is, Luke. And he, he didn't do is, shit in there. He's quite
2: good. Yeah, he's quite good. He just ran past him. I mean, Tom Aspital said something kind of funny later on, which was, I'm trying to remain a mystery. Like, not that he's trying to finish fights faster than he ordinarily would. So that people don't get tape on him, but yes, the better the, the shorter the fights can be for him, the better because he doesn't want to show everyone what he's got, which I think is a good policy in certain respects. Although, um, you know, at some point there probably will be enough tape and that you can no longer really hide from that. But okay, the point I'm trying to make is here. I, it always makes me think about like what John Jones is up to, trying to bulk up to this weight class. And I, listen, I don't know how good he's going to be or how bad he's going to be or when he's going to come back or who he's going to fight. I mean, the questions are endless with him. But in terms of what you see from Tom Aspinall. The reason why I'm, like, wondering if, like, he should have pulled that trigger a while ago is there's always beasts at the top of every division, even a thinner one like heavyweight. But these guys like Aspinall, man, these next generation of guys who fit into that weight class perfectly, who are athletically hand-in-glove with what you can use to both get ahead and and, and make a name and and lord over your opponent as BC dies from probably vaping when the
1: camera's not on. (coughs) Wow, sorry. Look, I didn't, you know, that wasn't planned. Wow. You're right there. Yeah, you know, I think maybe uh, maybe I should encourage the folks to actually stir their athletic greens, Luke, because you know you can, yes, catch, a a, good you hit, you can catch a You could catch a floater in there, Luke. Okay.
2: Yeah, you've got a couple tadpoles just swimming in your belly at this point. Yeah, but I, th- I, think, I it... think
1: I just gave birth in my mouth. This is really where you're going right now, Luke. I get it. I it's get like it, it. it's
2: it's almost like these 205ers are tr- like, and John's very different than every other 205er because he's the one who is basically undefeated uh, in the weight class and, and overall again basically but the one I'm trying to make here is you know trying to to like terror, terraform your body uh to get right for a different weight class versus what you see are these guys who are athletically in a groove in their natural weight class obviously tactics can make up a big difference strategy and talent but he looks like he's got a lot of those too I think he shakes up this division we had kind of thought this was a gone Francis gone Francis division and I guess it is for the moment and it could be for the future too I guess we'll have to see. But dude, between Tuivasa and guys like this, there's a lot of potential shakeup. And Stipe's still out there too, by the way. Um, <clears throat> and I was going to so ask you about. Out... This...
1: Yeah, go yeah, go ahead. go
2: ahead. Go no, ahead. Well, Tuivasa or somebody else? Because I got to tell you, maybe it's too much too soon. Fair enough. I got to tell you, I would love to see an Aspinall Miocic fight. I really would. Okay. I think we'd learn a lot from that. Th-
1: that's where the direction I was going. Um, I, I yes, Luke, yes. So the, the reason why that gets me excited, to even Peter Brady my voice a bit, is um, I'm wondering, you know, if Aspinall ends up being everything he looks to be. And not only do we have to see him go five rounds, make adjustments, we got to see if he has, to be fair, a steep A-level, you know— um, Chin and toughness, and by the way, if you're Stepe level on chin and toughness, you're probably one of the all-time greats because that's a major part of what makes Stepe so great. But when I look at Aspinall Luke, I say to myself, um if he ends up being everything he looks like he could be in a top shelf situation, dude, he's a more dynamic Stepe. So the idea of all right to really find out how good he is, could we do the tie to a thing? Of course, and it's you know. It's John Jones versus Bader all over again in terms of, like, you know, which one's going and coming and which one's, you know, just that step below. But, dude, how about we find out right now, Stipe's that – it's like two Sp- – it's the Spider-Man meme, Luke. I mean, I would be, you know, particularly concerned for Aspinall if that fight goes deep given Stipe's gas tank experience and toughness. But if he slays that beast, dude, you just you just cut it. the line. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. just found your way to the head of the class.
2: And in some ways, Miocic is a really tough fight, right? Because A, he's Stipe, you know, the most decorated heavyweight that we have in the UFC's history. He obviously is super well-rounded, can play the levels, as experienced as any fighter in the heavyweight division can get. Not named Andrei Orlovsky, but even then, you get the idea. But at the same time, Aspinall's athletic gifts make me think he could dart in and out, cut angles, and land on Miocic and put him away as well. Like, there's a lot of different ways that could go. A fight like that, a fight like Tuivasa—I'm not saying it has no value. It has a ton of value. But you got two contenders on the rise, putting them right together right now seems a little premature. <clears throat> I guess the well, point Luke, I'm trying me, to make is, I would like to see hedge- him go against someone who's got a little bit
1: veteran experience on him. Let me judo chop and hedge it back at you. Could he still get a title shot off of knocking out Tai Tuivasa in your mind? Or no. is there still too much? No. There's too much. Uh, it's too crowded a to topic. That's too crowded
2: there's th- that, that gone test that curtis blades test volkov is volkov is one kind of test and it's a very yeah. important super impactful one but all right there are well, other ones that also have to be answered
1: as we know april 23rd is that tyson fury dillian white heavyweight boxing uh championship match between two uk you know stars and they sold what 90 they sold 90 000 tickets luke and it's going to you know, break, they're trying to break the Anthony Joshua most recent record and, of course, the Carl Frotch record before that for outdoor stadium fights in that area. But, you know, Francis Ngannou versus Tom Espinal for the heavyweight championship, I wonder if that's our first taste of UFC doing, you know, 80, 90K and it's like a freaking, uh, uh, you know, Woodstock over there, Luke. And, and I, my question to you on that is, is it this group right now? And certainly, we're going to talk Patty. We're going to talk, um, you know, Meatball. Everybody up and down that that shine on this card. Is it just that, or can the UFC commit up to two pay per views a year from this region and put anybody more or less, you know, pay per view worthy main event and co main event, and do stadiums on a regular if they wanted to? Mm. How you know? Stadiums what's the heat are... check on that area? Yeah.
2: Well, if you had Leon Edwards in the main event with Kamaru for the welterweight title, I think you could. But if you had, let's say, Colby versus Jorge in London or something where two guys, where it's not a belt on the line, they're not from the area, not from the country even, what could they do? I still think it would do really, really well. Could they do 90000 for that? I don't think they could do 90000 for that. But for the right kind of fights and the right kind of card, they might be able to. They really might. The enthusiasm in that market is impossible to deny yeah. or to ignore. So the right match... But see, here's the thing. This was their first show back in three years. You know, the next London show probably, it's all fair to say, probably won't be as good. This was something of a magical moment. So you're going to regress to the mean a little bit here to get the right kind of experience. BC, I think you got to stack it the right way, not just any old thing. I just think
1: with, with, with UFC being on ESPN now and sometimes there's strategic reasons why they should go earlier in the day because of that, whether it's boxing, having a monster card that same time, or anything else... You got more – there's more reasons to do the afternoon pay-per-view, Luke. That's all I'm saying, okay? Luke, Luke, you know, they've been asking for years one of those unanswerable questions of who let the dogs out, but we're going to f- answer it now. It's going to be you right now, Luke. Let, you In know a what am All right,
2: point number two. Let's move along. Point number two. How about that co-main event? Because that was a brutal one as well, albeit a different kind. He, he he's, he's UFC's Gary Russell Jr. He's been fighting once a year and beating good competition the whole time. We were wondering how he was going to look this time. He looked amazing. Arnold Allen dispatches with Dan Hooker in... He did get dropped briefly or or sent to a knee when he got overzealous in the pursuit. But other than that, it was one-way traffic. BC, question for you. Was this the performance that Arnold Allen needed to start truly ascending into that top five, big fight, number one contender fights?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Luke. Please, let those dogs out, Luke, please. Um, absolutely, it was. And look, not only had been fighting too infrequently, the big question I posed ahead of this was he's been solid. He's been, you know, good to very good, but he hasn't been great. There's been decision after decision for the most part in that run, and he hasn't had his moment. Well, dude, this is your moment to do it in front of this crowd in this setting. Arnold Allen may be able to benefit, and I say that because we we get he's a very good fighter with big potential, but not overly, I mean, he's not Patty Pimbletter. You know, he's not going for it in that level in terms of potential marketability, but he may get huge opportunities and being placed high in huge cards after this type of win. It was the one he needed <coughs> in terms of name recognition because when you've won a long streak, you got to sometimes really put that put that pipe fitter's cone right on the top. Just put just put that just 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 fucking tighten that shit. Uh, this was that win against the name like Dan Hooker Still still holds up value, although you know, we're going in the wrong direction here, but still holds up value right now. But um, yeah, Luke, we haven't seen him that explosive. Now, I think if I can hedge my enthusiasm just a bit, you know, Hooker's Hooker's really gambling at this weight cut with this weight cut. You could tell. You could see physically, Luke, how he's just he just barely seemed to make it. And I didn't like anything about his punch resistance and reaction to to it. And that, that could easily just be because, you know, Allen was landing perfect shots and heavy shots. But, you know, we've seen a little bit more resilience, to say the very least, from Dan Hooker. So that compromised version of himself, which I believe to be in this, not desperate, but aggressive attempt to cut back down and wait and make another run at the top... Um, I think that played a factor in, in Arnold Allen being allowed to look this spectacular. But did he need this? Hell yeah. Does he look like he's ready to find out how good he could be? Yes, Luke, let's find out. Let's match him against the very best. You get to, to, to pass that. You know, somebody asking afterwards, uh, could you really deny Arnold Allen with another win if he wins 10 in a row, Dana, for a title shot? Yeah, of course you could. Unfortunately, yeah. you could. But um, we're not there yet. But we're going in that direction at the very least. Okay, Luke? you got to do this now a couple times, right?
2: Yeah. Did you see the pictures of Dan Hooker at the weigh-ins?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: I mean, I can't describe to you how thin that was other than to say that is literally, not an exaggeration, that is literally stage-ready bodybuilder thin, where they have reduced the amount of fat on their body to a very narrow, you can only do it for a short window, like a few hours even, uh, they have narrowed and, and removed as much fat and water from their body as humanly possible. You know, it's just, did he make the weight more safely than he has in the past? Certainly. Is that an optimal weight class for him? No. We'll talk about Dan Hooker in just a second. But but getting back to Arnold Allen, part of the issue for me about why this fight was a great win for him, but I still need to see more is one, we still just don't, I mean, this is his first fight in 2020, granted it's March, so we have plenty of time. I would really like to see him get another big fight against a big contender this year. Uh, that's the first part, I'd say. But the second part was, you know, he didn't just beat Dan Hooker because Dan Hooker may have been compromised from the weight cut. I certainly think that probably played a role. And also, by the way, all of the beatings he's taken over the years, I think that played a role. But, dude, he was also tactically outgunned in this one. I mean, they, you know, Dan Hooker has a tendency to paw with that, with that jab a little bit and then kind of use it as a finder or whatever. And they knew he was going to do that up front, and they read it. I mean, a million miles away. As soon as that cross was extended, I think it was the jab that was extended. They lit him on fire right away. I mean, they had a game plan. They executed it. It was devastating initially. Again, the weight cut and everything else didn't help Dan Hooker. But dude, it was the smarts and it was the strategy and it was the well, approach from a thoughtful standpoint that that got that got uh, yeah. Allen that win.
1: So some of what you're saying was they almost strategized for this exact ending saying, look, he's making a, you know, a tough cut and he's going for it. But, you know, you don't have punch resistance, Luke, when you make ridiculously hard cuts like that. You don't, you know, and I mean, look at, right. I mean, you look at how quickly Dillashaw crumbled against Hudo. It was just like that shit was over like right away. Um that's the gamble you take in doing this. But Luke, it did make Arnold Allen look like a killer, and he's they got a couple did. more of these to prove that he actually is right. You gotta, you gotta yes. now, you gotta maintain this level, this dominance on a regular. Can he? I don't know. But this is again the win he needed to be in this group of people from that area, Luke. That are they're, dude. They're coming on.
2: They're coming on. They're coming on. But the, 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 I think you're right. It's like, listen. I don't know exactly what it means to beat Dan Hooker at 145 in, in 2022. I don't I don't really have a clear I mean we know he's good at 155, but even there he's got some limits. What is he at 145? We don't know. It's hard, it's hard to say. So I think another one is needed. But, you know, beating a guy who was certainly at a bare minimum very quality at 155 and to do it the way he did is extremely impressive. I just think we need to see more. To me, that was a the UFC being like, we've got this guy who's talented. We've got to give him a fight that it actually matters to people, and it matters certainly for that division on some level. And we need to see what he can do in this promotional moment. And everything came together on that level. But from a, like, does he beat Ortega? Does he beat Korean Zombie? Your boy, does he beat Zabit? These are fights we still need to see, if not those specifically, other ones <clears> like <throat> it. The big thing for me though is Hooker Look,
1: man. Zabi would 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 f him up. All right, let's just be fair. He about might.
2: That, okay? He might. Uh, but, you know, who knows? The point I want I want to make is it's about Hooker man. I remember after the Edson Barboza fight, I asked Dan Hooker like, dude, are you not worried about taking all this damage? And his answer was, it's not boxing where it's just waist up or you know seventy percent of the punches or all the strikes total go to the head and you get these severe brain damage issues that we don't have as many of those in MMA. There actually is some data to support that that there is a distribution of punishment that somewhat narrows the amount of brain injury. There's obviously a lot more study that needs to be done. There is something to that. On the other side of things, BC, on the other side of things, you your body cannot absorb dramatic weight cuts and then beatings like he had in the, uh, for example, he got knocked out against uh, Michael Chandler, which is not a beating, but it was you know ferocious, the, the Poirier fight, the Felder fight, and you know, the, the barboza fight where you're taking... Dude, it damages your muscles. It damages your dude, ligaments. The it damages Wai Wai your fight.
1: tendon. Yo, he got the, the shit w- beat out of him in the Poirier fight. He delivered fight it. Well. It's- he delivered it's- it, too, but he got... You know, that was a grueling fight.
2: But, dude, here's the thing. I think a guy like that can travel from, from New Zealand on a Tuesday and then make a weight cut on a Friday or even a Wednesday, and then he can put himself to 145 and then he can not feel this abuse and whatever. There are these guys who can turn off all the mechanisms in their body that get them to stop doing things that are either difficult or in some cases, risky come with pain, difficulty. He has completely shut that off. But the problem is now that he shut that off, there is still these other issues you have to tackle on the other side, namely yeah. all of the damage that actually inhibits performance even if you have mentally said, I'm not going to succumb to it, your body will make choices for you. And it does appear that's where he is now. How worried are you about the future of Dan Hooker at only 32 years old?
1: Yeah. Very worried for everything you just said. When you do that, when you like, I don't, I wouldn't call his actions the last couple of years desperate necessarily, but he was like almost on tilt in the direction of like, this is my prime. This is my window. Like whatever it takes, I'm going to prove it to you. I mean, it's, I hate to say it. You know, it, it's kind of it's similar but at a at a higher more elite level to what Kevin Lee's been going through of late. I don't consider their past the same thing, but it's sort of like, okay, this is the fight I'm going to show you. And you know, he bought time with that Nas, Nas uh, with that Hawk Paras fight. Look, I will nail that name one of these days. Um he bought time with that. But I don't, you know, you can it, it's hard for me to sit here and financially given how much it costs to go through an elite training camp, and, you know, in theory, how underpaid for what they're worth these guys are when you get to Dan Hooker's level. So it's hard for me to say, man, you should take a year off and, and retool. I don't know if you can even afford to do that, Luke. But he needs a, an extended break, in my opinion, to let the wear and tear, the grind. And he put himself in the coffee grinder extra, extra the last two, three years. Um, if you don't do that, Luke, you're going to end up Hennenborough or or even a Michael Johnson where like we know it's in you but you end up becoming that that tough ass journeyman who takes more L's than W's but puts on a really good fight in performance and you know there's that's a still a high level of professional fighter and you can make a good living that way despite the the physical receipt you'll you'll you know you'll take on but Dan Hooker true or false Luke and I think you're going to say true He's shown at times legitimate title top end of this sport potential. So it's it's hard to just say, okay, just, yeah, go back to it, bro. Go ahead. You're, you're going to make us fun fights. You'll win some, you'll lose some. Keep going. No, I want to see him take a break, retool, and if there's one more run, Luke, if there's one real run at 155 for him to figure out how great he's going to be, I think he only gets there by stepping away for a bit and letting everything air out and, and you know, retool. I'm, God, change your team. I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying that's the team's fault, but this is the time to do that in your career. This is the time to, you know, to be, uh, to be more efficient. You could be just the, just as aggressive in your decision making, but you have to be efficient with them, too, Luke. and I don't think he's being that.:
2: I think there's a skills issue, honestly. We know he's tough. We know he can get into two different weight classes. If you can get into two different weight classes and we know you're tough, and he obviously is skilled. Like he's not like some low-level fighter. To your point, he has shown us some real flashes of brilliance. But if you're coming up short and you're changing weight classes and you're finding all these different avenues to like maximize physical effect or whatever the case may be, and you're still coming up short, getting submitted quickly by Islam, who's no, no chump. He's very, very good. You know, Losing to Aron Ar- Ar- Allen, very, very good. Paul Felder, Dustin Poirier, these are all good guys. But the cumulative weight of it is... There need to be more skills to win, period. There just need to be more skills to win. Yeah. So to your point, that's the one thing I would say is backing up a little bit and saying, I'm 32, I'm not like, I shouldn't be over the hill by now, and then working on uh, game development to the extent possible. The other thing I would say, BC, is I, I you don't hear this as much in boxing, and, and I wonder what you feel about MMA. Every time I see a young-ish fighter take a beating, like an Ortega or even, even Hooker as a young-ish against Poirier – I have so many people after the fact tell me, okay, but they'll recover. They'll be fine. There's this weird current in MMA where everyone's like, yeah, sure, that was bad, but that was bad for that night. Don't underestimate how tough they are. Folks, it does not necessarily matter how tough you are. Your body, whether you want it to go a certain distance or whether you want it to do things, it has limits. It has physical limits. And if you take a beating like you do in that Edson Barboza fight where the commentators are screaming for the referee to stop it, that bill is going to come due. Maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next month, maybe not next year, but it will happen. There is no such thing as a free lunch. The beating you take on one end, even if you get a win, the the, the balance of that, you'll have to pay a little bit later on. I don't know exactly where a guy like Hooker is because of all these changes, and again, he's fighting only elite guys. I think a dial back an opponent is probably uh, uh, merited here BC, but my only point is this instinct in MMA to not be aware of how a single beating connects to later performance or later life <clears throat> quality forget even just the fight itself and the profession there is this massive ignorance about it because we just want to believe these guys can mentally out tough the limits of things they can to a pretty strong degree but there are also things they cannot work past and when those bills come due there is nothing you can do
1: about it that's something my liver constantly reminds me of. <laughs> speaking of free lunches right constantly it reminds me yeah. hey right, look so quickly let's... for your health purposes I know how much we love athletic greens if they came out with a um plant paste vape cartridge would you uh no would I'm, you... I'm
2: trying to cut down on the vapes I, I'm trying to cut down'm trying to um get rid of it so hopefully by next couple of weeks I'll stop that's, that's it, the
1: goal. I'll say in hindsight in terms of my favorite mistake of your life and career it was <laughs> this was my favorite look this is the season vape season Sd yeah season. this is yeah, yeah it was
2: a nice little quarter of 2022 hopefully it won't last longer than that all right Point number three, this guy was where all the attention was headed. at. Aspinall was your main event, and certainly Arnold Allen had a lot going for him as well. But the big attraction, I think, on the card, certainly in terms of where fans have the most amount of uh, intrigue and even questions, would be Paddy Pimblett. And he, you know, didn't start out in the first minute all that great, but it ended pretty well for him after that. In fact, I would say he beat Kaz- Kazula Vargas with relative ease. Okay, BC, we know he's due for an upgrade in opponent. I think at that point... After Saturday, it's pretty clear that was a nice two fight test run he got in UFC. Third one needs to be a step up. But did you learn anything new about Paddy Pimblett from this win?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, the the you know, I mean, getting a submission win when there's this many questions about whether his skill level is anywhere close to his potential commercial appeal, um, getting that submission and, and and turning the the direction of that fight that quickly and you know demonstratively it was it was impressive it doesn't take away though the questions that are legitimately there about his you know his skill set his defense his decision making at times too like like look i say this ab- about ryan garcia in boxing right i think garcia is a little bit more talented than Pimblett, but you can ar- argue patty's got a brighter you know commercial uh future but when ryan garcia loses it's going to be spectacular he's going to get splattered luke it's going to be spectacular (laughs) hold on real quick why would why would would
2: you i just i'm just curious about ryan garcia because i haven't seen him as much as you what have you seen very quickly from ryan garcia that makes you think that when that right matchup comes along it's going to be curtains
1: the combination of not moving your head enough for an elite fighter mixed with a natural want Especially when hurt, to want to stand in the pocket and let that shit go. Um, Brian Garcia is going to have spectacular knockout wins, and he eventually is going to have a, you know, a Mir Khan level just fuck fleecing, just fucking, you know, tornado came through and tore up the town type of moment. So, Paddy Luke inevitably is going to catch that L. The question is, you know, because look, we have the debate about the matchmaking. No matter what we think, Luke, it's going to be a little bit slower than everyone else. And to your point last week, you know, it, it's probably the smart decision. I mean, Luke, he is a crowd activator of the very rare level. I mean, is is some of it corny? Is some of it aimed at getting us 40-something-year-old dad sort of going, I like the spunk, but he's kind of an asshole. Yeah, I mean, it's all over the map, Luke, in terms of the emotions it's going to create. But dude, this is the straw that's stirring the larger drink. You know, Aspinall certainly has a much immediate, higher ceiling to bring the Michael Bisping level of honor and glory back yeah. to this. As- you know,
2: Aspinall, Aspinall was headlining that card for a reason. He's significantly more advanced than Patty Pimblett.
1: But but Patty has, I mean, he Luke, it's it's cliche and obvious to say he's got second rate poor man's McGregor written all over him. Yes, uh, without question. But that shit works when you're this pre-wired to be a shameless star in this reality TV slash influencer era. Like he, he knows what like what we say about the Paul brothers, Luke. We say love them or hate them, they know what the fuck they're doing. Um, this guy does too, Luke. But bro, you know, cue up 311 in their in their you know fourth uh, studio LP. You know, um transistor luke it's going to be a beautiful disaster when they peel him off the canvas on the elite level the question is how long does it take till we get there luke
2: right i mean this is the point about waiting it's like okay they gave him two fights in the ufc that were very manageable and he managed them and in fact i thought it was really good i know he's been working with justin flores who's a great uh judo coach and um you know that that trip that harai goshi from the clinch that you, know, you can literally go on justin flores's instagram and you can see patty Pimblet working all of these things so like Dude, the guy's talented, he's around good people, he's going to beat good fighters, um, and I don't know what his upside is, but this is why you give him easy fights for now. Again, I think the next one should be graduated a little bit, but if you just think about it rationally, what is the space between his first and second fight? However many months that is, that's another camp, that's another amount of fights he got to go and train and work and train. You get more time to work on these things while you're developing your brand, while you're beating good fighters, while you're getting in cage time. And I made this point before. Either he's going to graduate to a level where there are no longer fights where that you can hide from, or he won't. He won't be good enough to get there. Either way, this approach at least guarantees the maximum chance that he could get someplace. So from the fight itself, you know, uh, he was on the ground. I thought he did a pretty good job protecting himself. The one thing I would say, BC, that I noticed from him What I thought was good was the throw, obviously moving to the back when his opponent made a mistake and trying to sit up the way he did, hand fighting, switching sides was great. Like, his back work and his back control might be the best part of his game. He's very, very good from there, right? And you saw that. The two things that concerned me, again, not, not a huge deal, but just things to work on, was one, he did get popped right up against the fence, and you saw his mop go way back, and I was like, striking defense is still a bit of an issue. And the other one was, he kind of took the underneath position and rolled there, when he was in this kind of scrambly moment with Vargas. And it's like, that was fine here. And in fact, I would consider that a mistake by Vargas that, and a good call by Pimblet. But what I would say is, as you graduate levels of opponents, that no longer becomes a good a suggestion or a good idea. Yeah. Like for example, if you're fighting a guy who's got one pro fight, kind of taking it to them early when they are at their maximum, like eyes wide open kind of moment and they're, they can be shell-shocked, going after them quickly makes sense. Doing that against, like say, Volkanovsky. Would be a very bad move. So some things to work on. He looked fine. I think the approach is working,
1: and I think for now there's no reason to stop. And he's a brewing magician. And that sounds corny and stupid, but here's what I mean by that. Part of the McGregor rise, I always talk about the magic, Luke. There was a magic, an element of luck, almost like, you know, like it was written and like it was supposed to happen. How the hell did it happen? There was some of that, but you have to be really good to execute. that level of momentum and and, and control it and fucking, you know, shoot it out at the TV screen and knock Jose Aldo out cold with the first strike you land. Um, There's a little bit of that in Patty from the standpoint of you're right. He's skilled enough in certain areas you either wouldn't expect or or you might question. It's like, I can see the holes in his game. I'm sure potential opponents without question are licking their chops because they can see it. But like McGregor on the rise, there's a, a next level thing in there that he can rise to the moment and and even after taking some damage, get a win that, that maybe you can argue he shouldn't. But it's it's because some of the skills that make him good are, are spread out in different areas. You know what I'm saying? So um, that's why it's so fun in, in watching journeys like this because <coughs> you're like, man, I know, I know the bottom's going to fall out, but when? How far, you know, until, until those credit card bills come due, how, how big can we live it up? Right. you know what I'm saying? Luke. So, um, dude, I don't like the gimmick, but am I, am I feeling it? Did dude, I catch a second? I don't like
2: his gimmick. I don't like his gimmick either. It does nothing for me. Like I'm not, I'm not a fan in that way. I don't, I don't hate or like it does. It doesn't move me. And I, I was never a fan of McGregor stick either, but two things I would say, and you know, this is true. One, being an asshole to some people while, you know, while your hometown fan, fans love you, that's great for business. It's great yeah. for business. Number yeah. one. Number two, it's not for us to know or appreciate or like or dislike. It's for the fans. It's for the next generation of people. It's for that, the folks from Liverpool and all the people that like him and even folks stateside, of course. But we're two 40 year, 42 something year old dads. Like what we think about it is, you know, in terms of, oh, I like it. I dislike it. It's irrelevant, you know?
1: Yeah, but I'm saying like people are gonna under people are gonna underestimate him. He's gonna end up with a couple of those wins that that you're like, you know, I, I saw no way he was gonna beat oh, that guy. Yes, coming yes, in. yes,
2: yes. Oh, and, you know what? I got an email about this. I got an email about this over the weekend. You are so right. And the guy was like, okay, I agree with the approach of slow rolling, Patty. But the problem is, and he's right that until he proves something like beats a real quality opponent like no 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 denying him right like uh, McGregor over Mendez you can say whatever the fuck you want short notice that's a quality opponent he beat until he does that we're gonna have to hear about all the people he thinks he can beat and all his supporters think he can beat and we're just gonna have to sit here and tolerate and it's gonna be crazy he can beat you know just name somebody that's impossibly difficult to beat Yes, there will be some of that, but that's going to raise his marketing appeal. When he loses, that will be lorded over him. Or if he wins, that'll be used to call him Mystic Patty. Either way, the game will resolve itself in terms of its truth functioning over time.
1: And that's why you. That's why we got to give his shtick the respect it deserves in terms of its working. And look, he makes the he takes the emotion and energy of a schoolyard fight and brings that to you know elite ish level MMA at the highest promotion. And I think that's sort of the the hook, that flavor. It's like the, you know momentum swings, a lot of emotion. It's like look, remember like school fights always had that built in like ending. And you never knew. It could be three seconds. It could be a minute and a half. But, like, rarely did they go unrefereed, unstopped, right? You know, a couple times in the wrong area of the school. Some kids got the shit beat out of them, Luke. But most of the time, it's a quick one. And Patty's like that perfect, like, undersized school brawler who's like, if that fight with wasn't stopped, he'd get the shit kicked out of him. But does he have enough skill, chin, balls, daringness in that window before the teachers or security get there? To maybe land some big shots on somebody and come away the victor yeah he does Luke um I don't know if that matters at the end of the day but it's gonna it's sure fun to watch okay damn glad to meet you
2: all right we move on now uh I did have an extra credit I guess I'm gonna have to record it after I travel from my fucking hotel room but what are you gonna do uh we'll talk about Molly McCann, Muhammad We'll talk about uh, Jack Shore. We'll talk about, um, oh, the not, the the McCann knockout, as I mentioned. There's a bunch of them we're going to get to.
1: Yeah, um, you may see some of these people on Have You Seen This Shit, Luke. It's possible.
2: Yeah, Yeah. okay. Uh, point number four, BC. We'll move on from UFC London again. I'll circle back to it a little bit later in uh, the next podcast. But Conor <sighs> McGregor made some news, BC. And this one, I'm not sure what to say about it. I'm very curious to hear what you have to say about it. So over the weekend, it came out that he was sort of talking about getting back to action and, you know, all all the stuff there. He says he wants a title fight when he comes back against Kamaru Usman. And here's what he wrote, BC. Myself versus Usman for the 170-pound title in my comeback fight is the one I'm eyeballing at the minute. Why cut the weight? I've already won at 155. I got myself to a lightweight frame, but, you know, I'm big now. I feel big. I feel strong. I feel healthy. I've got good energy. I'm coming back from a gruesome injury. I don't want to be depleting myself There should be no need to deplete myself. Okay, exception of the Usman part, I'm on board with all that. That sounds actually pretty reasonable to me. Here's where it goes off the rails. (laughs) And I feel confident against Usman, a jab happy, sloppy, orthodox wrestler with no submissions whatsoever. What's he going to do? Where's the danger here? I don't see danger. No one has ever obtained three titles in three divisions like I will. Uh, do if we make this fight. Now, he is right. He'd be the first one to capture three UFC weight class titles. BC,
1: where's the danger here? Do you see it? Yeah, I mean, look, that kind of attitude is going to get him knocked the fuck out. And Luke, inevitably, <laughs> when, I don't say if, when these two fight, maybe to close this year, um, you know, he probably will get stopped. But the whole point is, Luke, here's the deal. The history of this, I mean, he's going to be the first person to attempt this, let alone do it, you know, which which the odds would be against him, of course. But, like, that's the that's the biggest power move he has left, right? You know, if you if he looks in his tool belt of what what uncashed lottery tickets are there, right? It's like the third Nate fight, of course, maybe Masvidal, and, you know, probably one or two others that we're not even thinking of in the moment. You know, maybe Holloway a second time. There's money fights left. But which one of those gives him the chance at, at like bringing back the legend, rewaking the aura from, from that's been, you know, that's kind of dead. You know I mean? The aura is still there. The aura will still kick your ass if you're not careful, but the chance to just get right back to where he was in the peak, not ability wise, but in terms of like star value and critical respect. I mean, if he pulled off this upset, Luke, it's as if the last five years didn't happen in terms of what became of his MMA career. So I think he's just one of those adrenaline junkies who's like okay, if I lose, who cares? It's not even my weight class. I'll talk you into thinking it's my weight class right now, but I know it's not. And I may need this scare that Usman does bring. He's the pound for pound king. He's on his way to figuring out if he's re- if he's going in that upper upper room, right? I mean, he's freaking legit as shit. I wonder if Connor's like, I need that scare to 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 get out of bed and, and really give it everything I have left, Luke. So maybe yeah, that's listen. part of the motivation, Luke. Maybe that is the motivation, dude. You know what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: I mean, listen, if if he's saying these things that he knows to either be true or a false rather, and then or some version of an exaggeration, you know, just saying incendiary things to get a fight, and then on top of it, adding this sort of layer of history, like, hey. Not only would I beat this guy, but I would be the guy for a weight class title in a way that no one else in UFC history ever, ever has. And again, he was the first in UFC to wear two belts simultaneously. So this would be, you know, very much in keeping with his tradition. And, and again, BC, the other part is, you know this as well as I do. Listen, the difference between um, a fighter daring to be great and a fighter being absolutely batshit insane is thin. Very thin. There's a very thin difference between a guy motivating himself and achieving true greatness and saying outrageous shit that's utterly indefensible uh, in in pursuits of similar kinds of goals. To me, the calibration is a little bit off, although to your point, it could be a function of just trying to get the fight, whatever. But assuming he actually believes that, yes, I think he has gone way too far in dismissing the quality of the opponents and assessing himself. He had two fights with Poirier. And look what that did to him. I mean, you know, well, in his Kamari mind, Luke, would thrash
1: him. Oh, he, oh, hell yeah! But in his mind, Luke, if he knows deep inside, because look, this is what he's about. This is this is the history of Cotton McGregor, right? Taking big chances, not caring about the risk, just believe, You know, again, whether that's what it takes to get him to the best version of him or not. But like, dude, he, if he would if he pulled this upset off. Like he knows, that's his argument for the rest of his life to say, "I'm the greatest fighter of all time." Now we wouldn't necessarily, although I don't want to even predict that because if if he knocked out Usman, I mean it would it would it would wake a lot of things back the fuck up, Luke. Okay, I mean we w- it would it would awaken a lot of conversations, but you know could I think that that makes him the goat? No, not necessarily. But that's the kind of currency you need to get to that table. To 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 have that argument and make that chance. So he might be thinking, Luke, my window's closing of my prime, so let's Mm. do it now. This is the very best of what I have left. Coming off that injury. You know, coming off that injury, retooled mentally. It's not gonna happen two years from now. It's gotta happen right now. And Luke, true or false here, as much as his brand. I wouldn't say it's dangling, but it's damaged. It's 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 damaged at the moment. It's damaged, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can still get a lot out of a damaged brand this good. Look at the second half of Mike Tyson's career, like no question about it. Right. But I don't think he loses a ton by getting knocked the hell out by Kamaru Usman. We just go at the end of that. Okay, that challenge was what we thought it was. You entertained us to get here, and oh by the way, maybe Kamaru's got one more step closer to being a the, the actual goat.
2: Right, and I would say this, though. The, the one caveat to that is, again, if he's trying to do this because he knows his time is limited or whatever and he's just trying to see, like, what needle could I thread to get the most out of, this, out of what's left, then fine. All of that is totally, again, say what you want, do what you want. I'm just saying, if people out there are hearing this and thinking that, like, yeah, would Usman versus Connor be competitive? No, it would not. It would be really no. bad for Connor. What I would say, though, is if he gets knocked out on the feet, that carries a certain amount of significance. But here's the thing I do think is true, B.C., if he gets like taken down and then just brutally ground and pounded inside of a round or two or something like that, I don't think that does much damage to the Jake Paul fight that's potentially there for him as well. I don't know what Jake Paul's doing. We haven't heard from him. You know, I don't know if he's going to box Tommy Fury or whatever yeah. the hell's going to do. It doesn't do but, any damage because Luke Well, if he gets knocked out on the feet, I still think that fight is big. Please don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is, you get taken down by a big 170 wrestler and you get pounded out. You can just say, yeah. "Well, you know, Icarus got too close to the sun, whatever."
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if he gets one punch, if he gets one punch like Masvidal and he's out cold, that's a bad look. Still semi recoverable, but that's a bad look. But Luke, I don't believe he considers submission losses as actual losses. So in no. this case, Luke, <laughs> gassing out is just like, I didn't get the knockout in time. Let's rematch, right? Like, that's, I think that's he re- what you Yeah, he,
2: he seems to like genuinely believe, like, when I have energy, I'm better than everyone else. Yes. And that's what matters. Like, who's the best when we all have energy? It's like, well, that's one way to look at it, but not the whole way to look at it. Uh, all right, BC, last but not least. Ugh, speaking, speaking of the hype train starting to slow, Edgar Berlanga fought on top rank at the, uh, the Madison Square Garden Theater, I believe, over the weekend. He fought Steve Rolls. We talked about this on Friday. Now, Berlanga was this guy who came out with 16 first fights, 16 first round KOs. I mean, he looked like the next Puerto Rican star times a billion. And then in his last 3, I believe, he has looked very pedestrian relatively speaking. Now in his last fight not the one on Saturday, the one prior, he had a bicep's injury which he still won with. So okay, he's obviously a tough dude and he can box a little bit. But dude, this was a to me a decision for Berlanga and I, or Berlanga and I didn't I don't feel like that's super controversial. Dude, he should have knocked this guy out a lot earlier and yeah. Rolls actually had some moments in this fight. Are you now off the hype train of Berlanga being the next Puerto Rican boxing star?
1: Long term, too early to tell, but this is a gigantic blow to his short-term momentum and the idea of him being a headliner. I mean, Luke, on paper, this was not a competitive matchup. Steve Rolls is 37. He only stepped up to the highest level once and got steamrolled by Triple G. And did he fight defensive and, and just try to survive in this fight. Yeah, he did. So, and he had moments in doing that. So, um, this was that type of performance where, where there's issues. He's 24. He blew those guys away. I talked in the preview of this fight that, you know, I just think that's going to hinder him that the, 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 the celebrity level he got to as a result of the first-round knockout scheme was, you know, streak was was always destined to have a price to pay for it. Okay, you get Fat Joe in your corner. And by the way, it was hilarious. Hilarious in that video. Somebody was interviewing Fat Joe as he was walking, and he was like, yes, when Steve oh, Roll fought Triple H, H <laughs> he fought way more aggressive. Like, your excuse can't be, we didn't look great because our opponent was defensive and and circled away. It can't be at this level. And Luke, the problem is they're overloading his circuits right now, meaning they're course-correcting the two decision wins he had after that knockout streak ended. And let's not forget that second one he, he tore his left biceps, right, and fought most of that fight with that and then needed surgery, and, and he got dropped in that fight. So they course-corrected that so hard by overloading his corner. He's not only got his dad, he's got former boxer Mickey Bay as a second assistant. He's got Kay Karoma, who is like a stud, a technical coach, former U.S. Team USA coach, like amateur background. From this up- area, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's with a lot of pro fighters today, either as their head trainer or as their, like, consultant. And then they also have got... Um, you know, Rozier, uh, Andre Rosier is like Danny Jacobs' uncle and trainer as like the lead guy. And you saw in between rounds, Luke, in the corner, dude, there's like three different messages coming at him. He's fighting like he doesn't know who he should be. They're trying to teach him how to box, and it's not that he doesn't know. He was an amateur and, you know, and had had success. But he, he's a puncher, Luke, and he's an aggressive puncher. And they're trying to slow him down because he's still early enough and teach some of these things that is not of his nature to master. Would you love him to be a well-rounded fighter? Of course you'd love any fighter to. Some guys never get there, by the way, and still are champions. Some guys get there eventually through experience and start to round out their game. They're trying to put too big of a download on him, and I think he was unsure. He didn't know what to do at times. His punch output was badly low. Did he land the better shots and outclass Steve Rolls in the important moments? For the most part, yes, he deserves a decision win here, but six rounds to four is probably the best score, Luke. And against Steve Rolls, who, dude, is... I'm sorry he didn't come running at you, but you should be able to walk this guy down. And by the way, again, shout out to Andre Ward and Timothy Bradley on that top-ranked ESPN broadcast. You may not always agree with what they say, but they are passionate and they are real and they're not afraid to call out the house fighter, right? And they did. They're like, look at Berlanga, not cutting off the ring, just following this guy around. If they go forward with this model of him, Luke, it's broken. This model's broken. He's going to get He's gonna get found out by somebody, probably outboxed, right, and lose a, a clean decision. I think you just, you got to go back to like, look, what are his strengths? He's a slugger. He's a puncher and he believes in his power and he wants to be great. Live and die with that, Luke. I don't need a reckless barbarian, but I need more David Benavidez out of this guy than I need trying to box from the outside.
2: Yeah, I basically agree with that. It's like, I'm not saying that there's not a case for continuing to improve... In all, for every for every boxer, for for all these guys, even Canelo, there's uh, fine tuning, working on the game, adding things, all the things we understand that fighters do between camps and and over the years. But what I would say is that you're right; they have altered him in a. It's 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 a little Johnny Walker-ish, yeah, right-ish. Good call. Where this guy had a very limited game, where you know wasn't the best game, but the good side of it was overwhelming. Now they've dialed some of that back to improve his defense, which okay, better. But the offense is now muted. And the other part, BC, is you know this as well as I do. It, there are two different kinds of fighters. they are the kinds who take advantages of openings, and then there are the kinds that create openings and then take advantage of them. And Berlanga is very much in the former for now and not the latter. Those two things are not great if that's the permanent state of things. So either it has to get much better on this new path, or I think, to your point, be like, listen, what was the thing that got us here to the dance Let's just ride that as far as we can. I don't know if that's a good idea for his brain health, but I mean, he's not a main eventer if
1: if he's not going out there to finish, guys. He's not a main eventer. He's not right now, and 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 you know, I think he's I think he wants the smoke too badly. Where there's no like. You can keep matching him tough, but just let him be him, is what I'm saying. He, he might win, right. he may lose. He's probably going to win more than he's going to lose, Luke, because he does have a, you know, he's. I mean, it's not a bad boxer by any means. There was just oh. indecision and lack of execution here that was, you know, and again, you can only, even at 24, I mean, he's been boxing since he was real small, Luke. So it, you still can't just alter the beast and, and not expect there to be issues from that, you know?
2: Yeah, also, I mean, I don't, I'm not around, Edgar. I, we don't know. But, like, he does seem to... and I'm not saying he doesn't put in the work. I, it seems like he does. But the fact that you've got Fat Joe blowing you up and you look at his Instagram and it's all, like, huge chains and I'm around, you know, Anuel Double A and all these other guys. And even on the front of his trunks, he was sponsored by uh, a, a reggaeton singer.
1: Do you think Daddy Janky? He definitely knows seems who to like is? the
2: celebrity he likes the celebrity trappings that come with A side boxing, so to speak. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And do you think Daddy Yankee knows who he is?
2: I'm um, certain he does. I think they uh he uh Daddy Yankee visited him when he was training once. He put that on oh, Instagram. Shit. So yeah, no, no yeah. dude,
1: he attracts the celebrity clientele here. Oh,
2: but um he had he had who, who am I talking about? He had Malo Conejo Can- backstage. Who is that? I don't know. Bad Bunny, so, bitch.
1: Somebody who's huge in your household, I'm, I'm sure, Luke. No, <laughs> he,
2: had, he, he took pictures who's another Reican, a Puerto Rican uh, music star and now television. I saw him in Narcos. Bad Bunny was with him backstage, too. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, WWE like, this
1: guy's superstar,
2: got... Bad Bunny. Yes, yes. <laughs> WWE superstar, Bad Bunny. That's right. I'm just saying there's a lot of that going on around him, and I'm not. that's growing a lot. I'm not seeing the other part of the game growing, and Mayweather was always good about doing both. You know what I mean? So, uh, something to keep in mind for the future. All right. Yeah, cool, that cool. is it for our top five. Now it is time. Um, do you guys want to mention Nate Diaz wanting to fight on Bellator? We'll do it in the odds and ends. We'll do it odds and ends. All right. Now it's time for when the donks get to ask us questions. It's time for Diaz from Donks. Yeah.
1: Hee-haw. Hee-haw.
2: We put up a Instagram post. Every Sunday, y'all fill it up. The producers pick them, and then we answer them.
1: And you alls better, better bring your A game to this bitch.
2: Yeah. Whores. All right. With Sean O'Malley and Patty Pimblett refusing to fight top 15 competition until they are more highly compensated, <laughs> could this matchmaking refusal potentially be a more common tactic for fighters with hype to use to gain leverage in contract negotiations over their respective promotions? What do you think, BC?
1: Yes. As of right now, they've figured out... I don't want to call it a loophole, but it's kind of... I mean, look, what Sean O'Malley's doing is interesting. It's just saying, I'm not going to challenge myself unless you reward me for it. And oh, by the way, I know when my contract ends and I'm going to test the free market while I'm still 27, right? So, like, there right. is that thread in there, Luke. So, um, could that leverage, you know, lane be, be shut by some decision by the UFC or counter move? We'll see, but... um I think that's the direction we are going, Luke. A more, a slow. Tell me true or false, Luke. I'm not predicting the erosion of UFC. I mean, they they deliver, dude. The numbers financially just boom, rightfully so, dude. They're, this is a product that delivers. But a little bit of the old boxing way is going to start to creep in. The more that they make some of the decisions that they make, whenever you make short-term financial decisions. There's there's typically a long term trail, you know, of of change. The it's not a, it's easy to say the more fighters get what they deserve, matchmaking the less control of matchmaking could alter the product a little bit, of course. But even on the road there, Luke, we're seeing more of the boxing feel and control. I mean, we just saw Eddie Hearn and Dana, you know, ringside right. like loving it up and trading paint, Luke. You know what I mean? It's right. it's uh it feels inevitable in that regard.
2: Dude, I just, I mean, for fans who are in, only been around the last few years, I cannot explain to you how strange this all is that MMA and boxing are now beginning to, it's still very nascent stages, even post Mayweather McGregor. But it's like, dude, this love fest where the have you, uh, Anthony Joshua is showing up to UFC fights and UFC fighters are walking out, you know, uh, Lawrence O'Coley and all this other stuff like this, MMA boxing crossover thing. This was the exact opposite not too long ago. And this incredible melding of worlds is not in every way good, but in most ways pretty great. I bring this up to say, dude, these guys are going to see how the boxing guys, even if they have a different model and different rules and different legislative um, protections, they're going to see how they uh, uh, structure their incentives and how they respond to them. And they're going to start doing as much of that, not all of it, to your point, as much of that as they can. Here's the thing. For a guy like Sean O'Malley and Patty Pimblett, I don't think this will meaningfully change a whole lot about how much they get paid in the end because there's too much control of the industry for management. However, you may no longer hear stories like this where if you talk to Gray Maynard and he's talking about making 17K for one of the Edgar fights, you won't see a lot of that from those guys. In other words, the pay doesn't go up, but I'm not fighting that motherfucking, you know, number three, number two guy in the world for early pay contract. I'm going to get that later on when I've had more. So the pay won't necessarily increase any faster, but you're going to be able to, to run through a contract against opposition where you're not like, hey, I had to fight number five guy in the world and I took an enormous beating even if I got the W for 30, 40, 50K. I think those things might start going away.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: All right. From B. Nastin. B. Nastin. Yeah. Would, period... Look he wrote. Would period? You rather be stuck in a football field with Tom Aspinall for one hour, or in the octagon with Arnold Allen for ten minutes? Now, when they say football field, BC, do they mean soccer or do they mean American football?
1: Um, I mean, it, it, even if they mean soccer, the point is, you know, the grounds of a stadium for an hour trying to run away from Tom Aspinall. Or surviving ten minutes as Arnold Allen sits on your chest and just batters you, Luke. Um,
2: can I just quit the, after the first minute?
1: I mean, if, uh, yeah. Can I tap? I mean, BJ. Like, I got to
2: go vape. I got this isn't this isn't impinging my ability to uh, or infringing on my ability to go uh, vape.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, BJ once told GSP only a bitch taps out on strikes, Luke. But he also didn't answer the bell for the last round. When they fought right. in the rematch, <laughs> fair, fair enough.
2: I don't. This Maybe that's weird. why All he's right.
1: still handing out receipts at the lava shack, Luke. Okay, he's
2: he's running for governor, which is yes, yes, he is. Okay, at Jakey underscore D nineteen. This could be our Jake. Who knows? Why isn't there more hype surrounding Jack Shore? BC he beat Timor Vallejo, dropped him twice in the third round. Why isn't there more conversation about him?
1: Um, the, I think the, there's only so many uh, things you can buy from the hype store right now, and 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 right now there's a lot of fighters right with hype all around them. Not just you know most of the people on this UK card, which was the you know biggest bank of a UFC fight night card in history for the UFC. I mean it's just, dude, again. This opened. You, you heard Dana's voice after you saw that shit-eating grin. We're gonna do stadium soon, okay? That's what Dana and Eddie are talking about. You gotta believe that. Um, so it's just the beginning, Luke, to where that's going right now. Uh, what, was the, what was the spirit of the question again? You know, I got off an exit and no, um Jack Shore, look. like, why are people? Oh, Jack Shore. On him? I mean, dude, he was. You know, you could make a case that he's. You know, you could make a case he's more impressive than. Than, than some of the other fighters who are getting more uh, more herald he at the moment.
2: Dude, he, he 100% is better than several main card winners.
1: I mean, is he really the Welsh GSP, Luke? I I don't like... See, I don't like when white guys wear those, in boxing or MMA, wear the skirt shorts. I don't know why. they just looks lame, dude. Like, you can only wear the skirt shorts if you can pull it off. Hector Macho Camacho, Luke, Paulie Malignaggi. skirt shorts?
2: I have the fight here. Was he wearing skirt shorts?
1: He was wearing those, Mu- are they Muay Thai ones? That, or no, they're like the Thai. He
2: was ready, he, he was wearing the board shorts, but he just did the bit where they cut him up the seam yeah. on the side.
1: Dude, I can't take fighters seriously winning that. And it's not like there haven't been a, a many fighters who will knock you the fuck out while wearing that, and that's cool, but I can't take them seriously, Luke. Okay, outside of that... He's got poise. He seems to have execution. He had a, you know, he had a fight through this win here too. Um, Why is he not getting the next level of attention? I just think there's a, dude, say it right now, Luke. There is the most amount of potential future star and champions than I ever remember there being. And a lot of that is because of Dagestan and the associated area, of course. But dude, I feel like everyone under the age of 26 right now is coming on, Luke.
2: I think that the reason why he hasn't gotten a mu- uh, as much praise is because, um, one, he's in a division where, <laughs> you know, Bantamweight, it's like, is Jack Shore good? Yeah, he's really good. But Bantamweight is just a fucking murderer's row at the point at the moment. So you got to really start beating some name opponents in that division before people start paying attention. Also, this wasn't the Jack Shore show. This was the Patty show, the Tom Aspinall show, something of a Liverpool show with Molly McCann as well. You know, this was this was a card designed to promote the interests of other fighters. His too, but just not in the same kind of way. So yeah. he just the hy- wasn't as I said, the hype
1: store, the hype store was sold out. If you're looking right. for the jerk store, it's around the corner. Ask for Luke. You know what I'm yes. saying? But, mean, the, you know,
0: but
2: that's I right. Mean, I'm, the pre- I'm not only a fan, a member of the fan club. I'm also a president. But yes, yes. but in all seriousness, BC, I do think this. I watched the tape on him. We're going to include him for uh, extra credit, dude. He He's better than a lot of people on that main card. Yeah, a lot of people. Uh, Molly McCann, her win. We'll talk about this on extra credit. Her win is. I talked to um, uh, the guy behind MMA Rising, Robert Sargent, who's been following almost exclusively women's MMA for the lo- no, longer than anybody else I know. And I asked him, like, where does that that knockout rank uh, among all time women's MMA knockouts? He said it has a case for number one. At worst, no, it does. at worst, number three. But the point I'm trying to make here is what Jack Shore did. Against an opponent, the quality of Valiev because Valeev is a significantly more difficult challenge than Carolina. As good as her knockout was, again, one of the literally, literally historic, literally a historic knockout. I still think Jack Short to me stands out a little bit more in terms of his upside because he has so many things dialed yeah. in from a fundamental standpoint. I really believe he can do special things. If he just UFC changes
1: the short, division. the short patterns he's going to go to the top without question. Luke, what do you put in that conversation quickly of the greatest female knockouts of all time? Are you putting Andraj versus Kovalkiewicz? Are you putting Rose versus Whaley? Are you putting Holm Rousey? What about that Irene Aldana one? What do you got, Luke?
2: I think Holm Rousey is on there. Um, Holly Holm taking on, who was it? This oh, uh, from LFA. Uh, oh. No, no, no. Uh, uh, Shayna, not Shayna Dobson, but um, I forget her name. That's a great one. He had he has the biggest one from Hisei Watanabe in Japan, and the point about hers was it wasn't a back elbow, it was a punch, and yeah. it was so bad that after 30 minutes they still had trouble getting her out of the ring. Like it was a one of the most most vicious knockouts you've ever seen in your life. So the point being is you can kind of play with it, but but certainly McCann is in the running for number one with a yeah. knockout like that, and we should, she should be celebrated. But I'm just saying, with Jack Shore, do Jack Shore his listen. Everyone wants the big explosion into the UFC, and some guys are built for that. But in reality, on balance, the best approach is the quiet step through to get good wins over quality opponents, build your game in your 20s. So by the time you're 30, that's when you can make a serious title, serious title push.
1: Or if we, right. in our cases, by the time we're in our 40s, Luke, we're finally making the real money.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, from Dolan M. Johnson. Good question. Where does this weekend's card rank all time? BC, for sure it's the best fight night ever. That is without, to me, any question well, at all. So, Where does it rank among pay-per-view?
1: Fight nights, used, there used to be a little more levels. Now, anything that's not a pay-per-view is a fight night, right? But the quarterly Fox cards used to really mean something, Luke. That They, they were in the in-between. Would you say, I mean, that's fight night plus. And there were some great, yes. great ones, dude. They were yes, great Kane ones.
2: versus JDS was the first one, which also had Jim Miller, Benson Henderson. I mean, had some good stuff. I mean, it.
1: dude, in terms of just main and co-main, like, there were some really good Fox cards where you're like, dude, that's a pay-per-view. Holy shit. So was this better than that? Maybe not. Maybe not. But you could argue it is on energy. You could argue it is on People with big personalities having monster breakthrough moments, which is great. You know, celebrities. I mean, yeah, it was pretty damn close, Luke. Financially it was insane what they did. Um, yeah. Is it, it
2: the it, best I think is it the best British UFC card of all time? I think you could say that.
1: What have we that's had the there? How many pay per views have been there? Is it just um Henderson versus Bisping two, UFC two oh four? Is that the only pay per view well, that's so from- so
2: so there's Hughes Newton was there as well um i'm not sure i'm not sure all the ones that they've had there to be candid with you but yeah. i went to Tapology. here's their ranking of the top 10 of the, now this is best uh mma events all time so there's a couple prides on there and i'm just gonna read you what they have number one they have ufc 100 number two they have the very first ultimate fighter finale so ultimate fighter one back in april of 20, uh, 2005 they've got some mcgregor cards on here 189 mendez mcgregor UFC oh, yeah. 1 is number 4, UFC 205, Alvarez McGregor is number 5 and that was a killer card. Give me UFC
1: 217, Luke, give me it, all right? Kay. Give me that. Okay, UFC
2: 217 sitting at number 7, number 6 yep. is UFC 139 which was Shogun versus Henderson, another crazy card. 8 was Pride Second Coming, that was the card where uh Tekunori Gomi got go go plotted by Nick Diaz. 9, UFC 117, Silva Sonnen and then 10, UFC 202, Diaz versus McGregor 2. Does it fit among those? Depends on your preferences, but I'm going to say best fight night of all time, best UK UFC card of all time, probably.
1: Luke, you know what that list was mixing? Um, UFC 116, Brock Carwin. Um, dude, that main card was balls bonanza, bro. It was bro. awesome. It was awesome. That was, awesome. was really awesome. Yes, yes.
2: There's a bunch of good ones that are on that list. All right, last but not least, see Eddie A. Johnson asks, have either of you seen the show Yellow Jackets? I got Showtime with the MK promo. Thank you found yellow jackets and it's amazing if you haven't watched it yet uh check it out also ufc london was the best ufc card in a long time for a moment it reminded me of all the things i love about mma and helped me forget there's so much i hate
1: <laughs> <laughs> look did you write that is that your pen there? yeah
2: i know I know, I know, I know. It sounds like me, but no, it wasn't. Have you seen Yellow Jacket Specie?
1: No, but every single person that has asked me if I've seen it has followed with, Oh my god, it's amazing. And the premise looks pretty interesting, Luke. Have you heard about it?
2: I've not. I've not dude. I don't I finally watched the new Spider-Man movie that's been in theaters for seven and a half years and just now came home to streaming. Uh, I watched that over the weekend. That was my one little treat for myself. It was actually pretty good for Spider Man. I'm not a big Spider-Man guy, but that was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I
1: don't I don't mess around with that Spider-Man bullshit, Luke. All right. All right. Yeah, too too busy hunting? You and Bryce Mitchell. <laughs> um yeah, Yellow Jackets, Luke, is about a um it's about a uh Yeah, it looks really good. It's about, right? it's about a
2: forty three year old man from Connecticut who stutters on air.
1: Yeah. It's about a high school soccer team where the plane crashes in the deep wilderness, Luke, and the team members have to survive for 19 months and it goes uh, it goes wild. So uh I'm yeah, I'm going to I'm going to watch it and I'm going to get back to you, Luke. Also, real quick, Luke, I think we can call this an early dead wrong. This man was so passionate that I got to shout him out. His name is Georgie Georgie, with a G. Georgie Matveev. And he told me, please read this on the air and tell Luke to go F himself. Um, Luke, this comes from an NPR um, story written in 2020. And the quote is, um, Spaniards are technically considered Hispanic by the U.S. Census yes. Bureau, which defines yes. the term as a person of Cuban, Mexican, Puerto Rican, South or Central American or other Spanish right. culture or right. origin, regardless of race. BC,
2: are you reading this to me because you didn't yes. listen to a word I said the first time? Because that's what it sounds like you're saying to me. So the you're argument saying that I made I'm was, a defense no, 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 lawyer no, 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 for somebody no, 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 no. No, who's not no, no, telling no. the truth. No, no, no. Stop, 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 stop. Let me say the argument one more time since you clearly did not listen the first time. Okay. The argument I made was not that there is um, that, that someone from those places is not considered Hispanic. That was my point. And if you want to call someone from Spain Hispanic, you could because it fits to a larger profile. The point I'm trying to make is you cannot call Dominican Republic, Mexican, Puerto Rican, Venezuelan, Colombia. You cannot call that Spanish culture. It has Spanish influences. It is not Spanish culture. It is, in fact, quite distinct from them. That is the point that I am trying to make. Do you
1: understand that? You know, I mean, we could argue whether I understand it. Luke, did I, you know, as a defense attorney, did I take on a client that I didn't really ask whether he did the crime or not? Luke, he just offered (laughs) an opportunity to send you to hell. And I said, I'll be your representative to take you there. Yes, I'll be your tour guide.
2: I have this weird thing where everyone thinks they're a worthy adversary and every time they don't listen to what I am saying. Uh, there is a broad distinction between cultures that are united by Spanish speaking. There is a lot of things that bind them, the Catholic religion, the language, some other things as well. But they are entirely distinct. You might be able to classify that as a broader Hispanic thing. By the way, there's also a difference between his- Hispanics and Latinos. There's they are, broad overlap. There's actually a difference between them as well. So, so uh, if you wanted to uh, suggest that it fits some census definition, fine. But they are culturally quite distinct. Quite distinct.
1: I enjoy uh, the upper bound limits of your William and Mary educational vocabulary, Luke, including broad overlap, which is something I'd really like to try, Luke, if you know what I mean, right? All right. Uh, You want to get into the shit, Luke? Let's do it. Let's get into your (laughs) shit. Yeah. We scour the globe for the uh, highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, the in between. In the worlds of combat sports and beyond, this one's called Have You Seen This Shit? Uh, Luke, you might be talking about Meatball Molly McCann on extra credit, but you're going to be watching Molly McCann's big weekend here because, Luke, you could argue, although Aspinall's limits are bigger in the rankings than anyone on this card, arguably, and although Patty Pimblett's ceiling is bigger commercially than anybody on this card, who the hell made a bigger leap on Saturday in public consciousness than Journeywoman woman, meatball Molly McCann, Luke, who didn't look like that in round one against Luana Carolina when she emptied the tank and nearly knocked her out. Here's a slam, Luke, early in, in or late in round two. Holy shit, Luke, right? That's like a 69 slam or a 96, right?
2: <laughs> I don't know. That's a... St- don't you still have to be facing each other for that? I don't know what this is, but it, she was... I'll say this. Molly McCann is strong as fuck.
1: Well, Luke, admit it, she looked insanely good in round one and then was kind of playing catch-up in two and three, but it didn't stop her from delivering this, Luke, after eating a bunch of strikes. Good Lord, that needs to be in that teenage wasteland, Baba O'Reilly, the Who, um, you know, before the pay-per-view main card music video that they do, Luke. It's got to be in there now. It's insane. What a freaking moment.
2: It's one of the best knockouts you'll, uh, you'll ever see, Truly. Truly, just I mean, dude, perfect, perfect, perfect.
1: By being Patty Pimblett's sidekick in a way and taking on that responsibility and cheering for him cage-side both of his fights, like, she's become this mascot of sorts. And then to deliver this, Luke, commercially, it's like she's going to go places she may not deserve to be. She's going to be part of this hype train, Luke, okay? It's fun to watch. Um, That's the spinning back fist from hell. Here's the post-fight dance moves, Luke. Your thoughts?
2: Sort of like a Serena Williams Crip walk, but not quite.
1: OK. OK. I mean, I, I appreciate the effort and the passion as well. Let's keep it going here, Luke. While walking back, she made one with the Liverpool crowd just dousing her, Luke. <laughs> that, you
2: know what's funny. I saw several people in this like event like either jumping to the, not jump into the crowd, but like, you know, there were various moments where they were interacting with the crowd, and every time someone from the crowd was trying to hand them a beer <laughs> every, every single time. I was like, dude, Um, I got to party with these people. Jesus.
1: Later, Luke, Molly would appear cage-side for Patty Pimblett's big KO. And, dude, she even made it in the cage. That's what I'm saying. Luke, have you ever seen a secondary person? I know Darren Till did this with Aspinall to close the card. But a secondary person get the top of the cage treatment. Conor McGregor tried that one time at Bellator. Oh, yeah, he did. Yeah. It's akin, Luke, do you remember when the Bears won Super Bowl twenty over the New England Patriots and Buddy Ryan, the defensive coordinator, got carried on the shoulders just like Mike Dicka of the, of the players, Luke? All right. That's yes, her Buddy Ryan like moment. Okay? bare feet style just like, like Rex Ryan likes it. Okay, Luke. Um, also... Uh, big celebrity hug backstage, celebratory and yes, celebrity. former
2: DC United star, Wayne As, Rooney. Uh,
1: footy legend Wayne Rooney gets the hug here on both of these um, uh, incredible UK performers, Luke. And also, oh, uh, well, that's, the, the connection it. Like, that's here, it. The
2: connection here is they're all from Liverpool.
1: Exactly. And um, the accent's awesome, and the Molly McCann show is going to keep rolling. The meatball's going to keep rolling, Luke, okay? Let's keep it going around the world. How about Risen34 from Japan, rising, if you will, Kashahara, oh, oh my god oh. yuki kashahara luke Oof. wow that man will never yeah.
2: that is effing bro- oh. Oh. <laughs>
1: Woo. i think man, michael bisping's dude. other eye just fell out after watching that luke that's wow all right oh uh, let's go to the ncaa wrestling champions it's all gable Stevenson content from here on out luke the Uh, The stud from the University of Minnesota won his second straight national championship, a 6-2 victory over Arizona State's Colton Schultz. And then, as is the fashion, Luke, retired amateurly by putting his shoes out there in the middle. And uh, it's on to the WWE, Luke. Your thoughts?
2: I mean, I'm not sure exactly what his eligibility rules were like, but I think what happened was he went to the Olympics between his junior and senior year. And won a gold medal, and then came back and won another national title. Like you know, I guess you could just keep going if you wanted to get all the as many medals as you wanted. But he achieved li- almost everything you could achieve as a wrestler. You you got the highest level gold medal. You got two times in the national champion folk style, dude. You did the damn thing. I hope he, I hope he makes a shit ton of money in whatever well, he wants to do. He is a beast. By the way, listen to this. I'm not sure how he did in the tournament, but I know pre tournament. As you mentioned, this guy got two on him. I'm not sure what the rules were or how, how he got it two escapes or whatever. But prior to that, prior to that, he had out, or prior to the tournament, he had outscored his opponents this season 201 to one. Good and that Lord. One point the one point that they got was only because he had taunted a guy, and they, they docked him. That's it.
1: OK. So, he, so up a- until this
2: tournament, they couldn't do shit to him.
1: Look at this leapfrog he he performed earlier in the tournament, Luke. He's obviously yeah, a dude, physical freak of nature. Yeah. But you talk about beating the game. He's been paid by WWE for the last year. He signed one of those uh, new NIL, NTL. What do you call those deals, Luke? The NIL. Uh, the, the Marshall Rogan IU deal. Yeah, and so, <laughs> Luke, you know, he's probably, I mean, who knows? He may show up at WrestleMania in a few weeks, Luke. Who knows? But um, he's a freak. Well, I mean, Luke, true or false? before the age of 30 this man fights a professional MMA fight
2: true I will say true I will okay. say true
1: uh Luke let's go back to UFC London because there's so much content just listen to this crowd in the London streets if you don't think Tom Aspinall is uh being hoisted up as the next star Luke take this in <laughs>
2: Yeah, I saw something similar to this after 205, and I did my post-fight show from the from the press office at Madison Square Garden, and I went downstairs, and I actually talked to Malki Kawa for like 15 minutes, and then I walked out right onto that promenade that leads into 7th Avenue, right in front, you know what I'm talking about, where you can get into yep. Penn Station, and the Irish, granted these are the Brits or whoever, but the Irish had completely blocked traffic for like a huge stretch of 7th Avenue, which it's hard for me to explain this. This is a, the the dead center, basically, of Manhattan. And the Irish are dancing, flag waving, and just completely bombarding traffic. You had to be pissed if you were a cab driver or, or an Uber, but as, a, as an observer, it was like, you just don't see American sports fans do stuff like that, yeah, really.
1: It was a moment. It was a definite moment. Um, Aspinall also got involved with the... Um, energetic celebration here inside O2. Was this at O2, Luke? Did I just make that up? Yeah, it was, right?
2: I think it was O2, yeah. Oh! Look
1: at this! Double fist in Luke, yes!
2: Yeah, and then just, dude, You, I guess it's the rule that if you go to a combat sports event in the UK, you have to wear rain gear, because bitch, it's gonna be showering <laughs> beer from the ceilings.
1: Stone call Steve Austin style right there, Luke. You gotta like that. Uh Luke Patty Pimblick got the big win, but rate the racy dance moves after, Luke. I mean the guy's got he's got charisma. You know, I mean he's pissing charisma, Luke.
2: He does the hip gyration, he does the Johnny Walker, yeah, that
1: thing. Yeah, Again, it's not it's not for us. It- it's, it's not strong for us. it's it not is for a strong us. cup though yeah Luke Mokwan. Yeah, the, the cup the
2: cup is the size of several UFC flyweights I mean it's just e- e- e-
1: enormous uh Luke Makwan Amir Khani uh subbed out Mike Grundy in round one and how about the celebration from the team
2: and he gets the lateral drop here yep there it yes. is yes
1: yes we should when we do a live show Luke if we do a live show this summer we should end the show with that you and I
2: yeah, I'm sure this will go just
1: the same <laughs> as it did for two athletes. What if we did the dirty dancing moment, Luke? Could you hoist me?
2: Yeah, for a second before I tipped you face first into the pavement.
1: Okay. okay. I, I, I bet I would have the time of my life, Luke. All right. Um, heaviest boxing match in history went down from Dubai. I know Luke was all over it. Here's Bjorn Thorsen dropping Eddie the Beast Hall in round three. Luke, that's a legit-ass punch.
2: Yeah, he double jabbed his way into range. I'm not sure what the hell Eddie was doing, holding up his left, using it to parry, and then he's holding up his right, but he's got the Ooh. worst angle ever.
1: Six foot nine, damn. Um, Luke, did dude, he I'll, win the I'll a say yes.
2: Thor, Thor, I said this before. Did Thor Bjornson like completely like change his physique? He lost a hundred pounds and then some, and took several uh, smoker slash amateur slash whatever you know experiences just to get right, and it paid off. Man, he looked a lot better than Eddie.
1: Uh good sportsmanship afterwards, Luke, where they finally buried the hatchet of this five-year grudge. Uh, although Eddie was a bit begrudgingly, like, "Do I have, all right? Uh, okay, yep, yep." You're, did, Luke, was it a decision win or a knockout?
2: Decision, he, okay. he, but he dropped him twice. He dropped him twice.
1: All right, uh, Luke. Let's go full screen this announce, this t- this broadcast of Seffi Dot Segi Dot TV Ceggy,
2: or whatever the hell you're saying
1: Segi. Nice re-rack from the, uh, from the uh, play-by-play guy, Luke, right? Caught on camera. Wow. All right. Uh, got a got an eight-ball side pocket. There we go, Luke. There we go. Balls That's bonanza. Big laws.
2: That's big laws. That's a, I, he's a famous um, British. I think he might be uh, of Iranian descent, but he's a British st- strongman himself. He's a fucking animal. He's great. You're
1: like a famous juggler. Yeah, indeed, Luke. All right. Hey, Luke, let's go to the soccer pitch. There's some nasty MMA breaking out. Bangkok FC's. Altserat Neutschabun sending a hellbow. Whoa. Whoa. Good Lord.
2: Dude, he got a running start into that. Was that an
1: elbow? Yes. He- yes. Yes. Good. That is violent. Can see that shit. one more time? That Hold is on. just violent shit, Luke. Oh, my God. And it looked like he was lining up the right hand. He raised his right fist just a bit and then comes with the left. Oh, God.
2: Dude, dude, that guy has trained Muay Thai. I'm sorry. The average amateur can't do shit like – well, maybe they could. But I, I, I bet he's put a little bit of pad work in in his life. I guarantee it. Phew. Damn, son. Just caught him clean.
1: Luke, you mentioned this during our interview with Stephen Fulton Jr., the uh, 122-pound unified champion. You can catch that interview, of course, YouTube.com slash Morning Combat and many more. Mike Tyson taking over all the games. How about the Edibles game, Luke, with the Bitten Air? Ear? Air? Ear. Uh, the
2: ear. Ear, 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 ear.
1: ear, air? Air, ear. Ha- air, air. Ray, Bader, Fador, Fader, 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 Bader. Luke, uh, the air bites. You see,
2: how many of these are currently sitting in your tummy? <laughs> uh,
1: you know, I, I made it as far as the seventh row on Delta, Luke. I'm trying to trying to get them to move my chair a little bit further. Uh, Luke, I bet you these are strong as shit, right? And expensive, too. But I'd eat them.
2: Yeah, I, I would eat all of them.
1: <laughs> you're like, I would eat them out of Mike's ear. Like, right, yes. like, my tongue would touch his cochlea. You know what I'm saying, Luke? <laughs> Yeah, all right. Uh, Luke, retired old guys don't give a shit. Check out this guy living it. Let's go full screen here. Living it up. Oh, (laughs) God. Yeah. Luke, it didn't slow him down. He was back on the dance floor. Wow. Wow.
2: Senior Barriga is over here just getting it done. What what part of the world do we think this is?
1: Uh, Florida? I'll I'll go with Florida, Luke. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, boy. That's great. Okay, enough of that bullshit. Ah, uh, Luke. This is how a younger, more single Luke Thomas would prepare for a freaking weekend, if you know what I mean, right?
2: What are they fucking doing? Are they fixing someone's know. tailbone? What are they doing? I,
1: <laughs> are they pushing that shit in, Luke? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Luke.
2: Is this is this Rikers? Where is this?
1: <laughs> It's just the movie Sleepers? Wow, I've been I haven't seen that one in a while. Okay. Let's get out of here. Look, I got more UFC London for you. Good Lord Ilya Taporia just killed Jai Herbert, Luke. Oh yeah, my god. Yeah, we go over that we go over
2: this in detail on extra credit. Yeah.
1: Luke, um I'll let I'll I will i you gonna talk the shit on your show, but um he had to take a, a a little bit of a beating in order before he was able to deliver that. But once he delivered that shit, hold dude, that's violent as hell heck. God. Darn. Dude, his
2: power ca- look, think about how much his power carried up the weight. I mean, I don't know exactly where he's gonna end up. Maybe one fifty five will be his future home. I don't know, or what he plans yeah. to do. But I was I didn't know what it was gonna mean for him physically at one fifty-five. It didn't mean shit. His power carries all the way up.
1: I mean that you have a one-hitter quitter like that, you can just pull that out at any point. I mean it was like a seven inch reach disadvantage too. It was wild. Uh, Luke Dana White and Eddie Hearn, also Derek Chisora and Anthony Joshua, all cage side. Luke, what do you think they did talk about? Cocaine and bitches? What do you got?
2: So, wait, your business model is you keep 80% of the profits? <laughs> we got to get this business model. We got to start working together.
1: Yeah, please. All right. There That's you a go. great
2: business model. Here, Here's our model. We keep the money.
1: Yeah, yeah. Luke, you may not remember this, but uh, Anthony Joshua was once publicly questioned by Amir Khan on Twitter of whether AJ slept with Mrs. Khan during a particular rocky bout for the Khans when they were going through a public online scandal. Somebody asked AJ on Twitter the other day about it. Did you really F Mrs. Khan back in the day? He said, honestly, I didn't. But with all the accusations around my name, I wish I did. Luke, your thoughts?
2: I'd probably say the same thing. <laughs> there you go. There <laughs> I'd probably go. feel the exact way. I like, yeah, kind of wish I did bang this. Uh,
1: um, Mir Khan ended up apologizing after that. That and kind of backing, backtracking it a bit. But it was a funny moment, Luke. Um, boxing over the weekend, dude. Did you see this guy in the top rank undercard? He's been on this segment before. Shu Carrington, Luke. Bruce dude, Carrington. I
2: saw the dude. Is he good? He looks like he's the goods.
1: He's got an amateur background. He's good, but he keeps doing these one punch knockouts on the undercards and in he's making people believers dude that's wow wow
2: i mean both of those punches were absolutely vicious that guy once he got hit he was just spun in a circle he had no hope
1: yeah it was it was, it was awesome oh uh, look we didn't preview i didn't even know what was happening our boy Ruguru's rougarou, rougarou. rougarou. pro gray was back in abu dhabi it was a probellum card that's richard schaefer the uh the, the John Jones advisor. But Luke, he came out with the Rougarou mess. Do you know he told me this costs $10,000 to make?
2: I believe it. I believe it. I asked him what the Rougarou is, and he guessed, I guess it's the New Orleans, Louisiana version of Bigfoot.
1: Yeah, it's like the like, boogeyman. Uh, yeah, 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 the
2: boogeyman. Yeah, he lives in the Louisiana swamps, according to legend or something like
1: that. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, he took on Tyro- Tyrone McKenna in what was kind of a not soft... I, ha-
2: I, haven't, I haven't seen any of this footage. This, this should be a beatdown, right?
1: Yeah, he, w- he would get a, uh, I think he got a decision win, but he beat the crap out of this guy. Here's the second round knockdown, just to stay busy for Regis, but Ugh. but uh, yeah, just the same, Luke. We got to get this guy into a big fight. I know he's kind of like waiting for the opening, but he was with PBC, remember, for like two fights, and now he's with Probellum. Um, I mean, he's 33, Luke. He's, he's really good, dude. That fight with Josh Taylor was an instant classic, but... I don't know, Luke. He's he been taking out-
2: easy paychecks recently. Like, he did the Triller thing against Ivan Redcatch. Yes. And then he did this. And I'm not I'm not bagging on him for it. Like, you know, if, you're, if they're giving you big money and your window is short, get your money. But at the same time, it does feel like we're missing out on where he could be um, against better opposition.
1: Well, it's weird. He was like a wrong side of the tracks guy when he first came on the scene in terms of not having a major promoter. He had Lou DiBella for that that stretch. Uh, you know, and, and he has the celebrity management of what, uh, Mark uh, Wahlberg and uh, Peter Berg, I think, are potentially his co-managers. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, like maybe they've they felt it more strategic to not sign with a major promoter. I'm not sure why he never really ended up like, you know, in the PBC universe or in the you know, top-ranked ESPN or Golden Boy or whatever. But uh, he called out Jack Catterall, Catterall after the win, Luke, who was ringside. But he also had a real recognized real moment backstage after the win with Manchester United's Marcus Rashford. Luke, I'm not moved by this, but are you?
2: Uh, No, I don't really watch Premier League all that much. Um, also, hasn't he been benched recently?
1: I, you think I know that shit? I was, you know, the, the, I got DM'd by many a fan saying, please heckle Luke that his soccer team got the shit kicked out of him four to nothing. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to do that publicly. I'm not going to. I'm not going to out a friend.
2: Everyone's got something to say when they lose. They don't have shit to say when they win. So when they win the the league, everyone be sure to come back into my mentions with the exact same energy, please. Wow.
1: Wow. Look at that call out. Uh, Luke, ProGray also had an interesting tweet about pollution. Let's blow this up, Luke. Tell me your thoughts on this. Scientists claim pollution is causing men's private parts to become smaller. California, Pennsylvania, and Texas have the worst air quality in the country.
2: You know what? (laughs) There might be something to it. I mean, this doesn't seem very scientific. It's just a tweet, but uh, with no sourcing whatsoever. But you know what? Let's go with it.
1: All right. Uh, Luke, this is off the rails already. Let's just get drunk. Let's keep it going. Luke, this is how not to tap a keg for St. Patrick's Day.
2: Oh, these fucking idiots. Yeah.
1: I mean, has this ever happened to you, Luke?
2: In my early days, I have botched a keg tap or two, but uh, I don't think I'd be that bad anymore yeah luckily and you had green your beer too huh Got it looks brothers. just like my daughter's nose
1: yeah that's true but luckily you had the brothers in your fraternity luke to help you right get your back i, did. I had a
2: mentorship
1: program yeah right uh luke shoeys are now overplayed what do you think about crock rips these are the newest things luke
2: this is just sad these are just sad bored people they got <laughs> nothing to do they got I bet you a few of our fans
1: have tried this. There's probably, yeah. I mean, probably a few MK subscribers. There's just dude, this.
2: there's dude, you could honestly explain most human behavior at this point by being like, they do it for the lulls on Instagram and they're otherwise just sad and bored.
1: All right. Maybe that means this guy too, Luke, who showed up to the to the to the death metal concert, made it on stage, and then made a running start to for a crowd dive here. Is this uh uh Cannibal Corpse? Oh, God. That is just... <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Luke served him BC, right. I yeah. cannot believe that a white
2: guy went to a death metal show and then got hurt trying to stage dive. I can't believe
1: it. Look at those ups. That looked like job ja Morant. He got so high. Yeah. Um. R.I.P. that guy. Luke, Um. this is an interesting one. You and I both got tagged on IG by the legend, street fighting legend. MMA trolling legend, Blood Stain Lane. Luke, there's a fella by the name of DSNY Boxing on Instagram who was willing to stand in front of the mirror and say Beetlejuice three times. And we have video proof here. I want to get your thoughts on this. Yo, it's
0: DSNY Boxing. I'm here. I'm ready to call out somebody for April 8th. You know who I want? Somebody from the Q Fight Club. not who you think. Bloodstained Lane, that guy annoys me. So how about you get off those hardwood floors and step into a ring? For us, April 8th, let's make it happen, bro. Come here, I got something I gotta tell you. What's up, you degenerate heathens? This is Bloodstained Lane, AKA the Holy Heel, AKA St. Bloodstained, AKA Mr. 187 on you 666s. ers You know, today I was just minding my own business like a true Don does. And lo and behold, I get an alert on my Instagram. <laughs> and I open it up and I say, what in the creatine team is going on right now? I see this meathead Neanderthal, who I've never heard of, never seen in my life, called DSNY Boxing, calling me out to a fight on April 8th, saying that he don't like me, that I annoy him. Bloodstained. you don't like a man of, of, of nobility, of decorum, of righteousness and holiness. This primate doesn't like me. You know he has—he's all shot to the gills or muscles, this and that. But, truth be told, he has the aura of Tinkerbell. Okay, all those muscles are not going to stop me from breaking that glass drawer when we do scrap. Now, I know you want me to fight you in eight ways.
1: Let me tell you something right now.
0: I'm not some all
1: right. We can cut it here, Luke, because it
2: keeps going on
1: and uh, So, wait—does he no.
2: does he say he's going to take the fight or not?
1: It sounds like he's saying he's going to take the fight, Luke. And if you could get any legend to come back for one more, people want GSP, people want Habib once more, Luke. How about BSL coming back and putting the gloves on? Do you like his champ? I mean, he's he's of the age of us, old and white and washed, Luke. But he does yeah. live a different lifestyle. He is a a a don in those parts, Luke. Okay. Yeah,
2: I gotta tell you, I I once had drinks with Bloodstain Lane. Did you know that? I
1: did not. I did not know that.
2: So when I briefly hosted um, uh, Spike TV's MMA Uncensored Live, or when I was one of the co-hosts, he came in one day when Overeem was our guest. He was like, he was boys with Overeem. And um, we got to talking, and he is fucking hilarious. Like, (laughs) truly, like, pit of my belly laughing at some of the hilarious things he said. And then he went on a sort of a different life path, and I I haven't been able to keep track or necessarily with all things he's up to, but... Um I did see his he has a there's footage of him having an amateur like MMA bout. He looked pretty good, all things considered, actually. So I don't know what kind of shape he's in these days, but if well, BSL wants is, to make a
1: return, I'm all right. He seems to be inspired again. I mean, like you said, he's ready to pull a one eight seven on all you six six sixers. So um Luke, if they, you know, I mean, look, we've we've broken down worse fights on this show. I'll tell you that much. So, uh, <laughs> if this happens April eighth, you know, I'm going to be excited about it. Uh, let's close this segment quickly here. Let's go with some KOs of the week here, Luke. First on the uh, on the two wheels.
0: Oh, oh
2: God, oh my God, oh God! Do yes. I see these people do these try to do these tricks on all these uh, like scooters you can rent in D.C. because there's scooters everywhere. You just scan with your phone, pick them up, and go. You know. And dude, some of these people are like I'm, I'm going to be Tony Hawk, which I know is a skateboard, but I don't know who the equivalent would be. <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to be a fucking Tony Hawk, and they fucking bite it every <laughs> time.
1: Yeah, uh, let's go to the amateur kickboxing ring, Luke. I mean, it's it's cool to try spinny stuff, unless <laughs> unless you do a, uh, a self KTFO. So uh, yeah, that's uh, that referee's just of...
2: like bitch. Yeah, how do you hey, lose a fight without having a punch thrown?
1: Yeah. How do we? We haven't had enough child abuse on this. Let's go to the soccer pitch, Luke. Let's fill all the quotas today. Oh,
2: Oh, that little. Oh, boy. I don't don't like that. All right.
1: Let's make sure somebody older gets it this time, Luke, to balance it out. Check out this amateur KO. Dude,
2: this guy's just. Jesus. Is the ref oh, just going to let it? I'm about to say, ref, what the fuck? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey, didn't Ric Flair do that at one point where he got like, yes. hit
1: or something and then like seven minutes later he fell forward? That is the Ric Flair famous face first fall. All right, Luke, we close with this. I call it wrong place, wrong puke. I got two of them, Luke. Who would you least rather be in this case? <laughs> oh, boy, that guy in the white shirt, Luke. Or, this is me
2: in BC after uh, <laughs> after shooting um, pregame preview.
1: Yes, indeed, indeed. And let's go to is this. That, is that
2: me? Is that me right afterwards, or was that you at the Mexican restaurant?
1: Oh boy! Uh... Oh, oh wow! God. Oh, oh god! Oh my god, Luke! <laughs> That is, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to even show that. That is gross. The things you that do for like love—that
2: seems like a crime that you just showed. I think we should. Yeah. Not <laughs> I mean,
1: crime. Luke, I would do anything for love, but I won't do that. Meatloaf was right. Okay, all right, All right.
2: Luke. There's your shit. Uh, BC time for odds and ends. What do you got?
1: So, uh, look, um, we could play a million videos and, and praise him, but I think he deserves it. We hyped up uh, EKC Light on the the. I'll say famous, world famous. You know. Uh, Photo journalist for MMA fighting, spent a decade on the top, a lot of times working with Ariel Hawani traveled the world covering MMA. He did the Wimp to Warrior program now called Alta and had his amateur fight. Now, he's 44 years old. He took on, I think, 24-year-old, a guy named Fritz Fraunheim. And, Luke, you talk about a hard-fought decision. Old E. Casey uh, ate a big left hook early. You might be, even be able to see it right here. Uh, or maybe it was a right-hand. Anyway, he had a pretty big shot. Damn. There,
2: that right, and right
1: there. he went on, Luke, to take, uh, tw- I think, 30 27s across the board, relying on his wrestling. Got full mount a bunch of times and just grinded that shit out. Luke, I'll say this. That video MMA fighting did capturing his journey to this was inspiring. It was humble. You know what I mean? It was, like, really behind the scenes of what somebody who's as close to as you can get without being a fighter, is. And I give him so much credit, obviously, for going through this. This did not make me want to go through this, by the way, even though I've had a bunch of our listeners who did similar programs like this reach out and, and speak how tr- life transformative it is, and I'm sure it is, Luke. But um, to hear e- to hear Casey, a guy who I've always known but never known, if you, if you get the point, I've worked with Esther a ton, only just recently really getting to know Casey a bit. Um, what What a journey, dude. I mean, like, you don't have to do this, right? And it, But there was something he wanted to prove to himself. And just the fact that he did it is ballsy. And and, and as a fellow media member, I'll applaud it. But to really see his story, Luke, there was, a, you know, he was straight up. You know, I'm it, there's a, this sucks. The grind sucks. The pain sucks. Even winning the fight afterwards, he's like, this sucked. But there was something deeper, Luke, that he was willing to, you know, quote unquote, risk it all for on the other side of that hill. And, you know, we all, we all have that challenge in many areas of our life. Here's a guy who went out and did that shit. You know, it's like they always say about people that wrote a book, Luke, you know? Only so many people can say they wrote a book, and that guy did it, okay? This guy just just took Casey. Casey just took a damn amateur fight, and he went in there and grinded that shit out, Luke. He's more man than I am, I'll tell you that much.
2: He's he's the best, and uh, I had a good chance to work with him for many years as well. He is— He's just as talented as anybody in this industry and probably more so, and I'm, I'm really happy for him. Uh, on the On the uglier side of things, oh, BC, but, for sorry, my odds and ends. Frank
1: Trigg. And, Frank Trigg was the referee. How cool is that if you're Casey yes, Lydon, Frank Trigg, and Frank Trigg, Trigg is, is your referee? Yes. Badass. That's pretty
2: Badass. cool. That's pretty cool. Uh, last but not least for me, BC, there was a big problem at Glory 80. For all of the jokes about the fight between Thor and Eddie and whatever else and and stuff we see and... All the comical stuff. Glory 80 had a card. Uh, i got to find exactly where it was. This is what you can see. They got to the co-main event, which involved Batter Hari. But then a riot broke out inside the arena. I believe they were in the Netherlands. I'll, I'll double-check that. It could be Belgium. I, forgive me. I, sh- I should have that detail in front of me. But as you can see here, chairs start being thrown. And then people start streaming for the exits. Damn. I don't know exact I mean look at the one guy standing to the bottom left of the screen just giant bricked up dude who's probably on all the steroids. I don't know who he is, but what I'm trying to make here is this got ugly quickly. They had to stop everything, cancel the uh, the remainder of the card and at the request of the local security and police team and I mean dude, this is bad. It, I don't know I don't know what generated it. I don't know who it was between there's still a lot of unanswered questions. Uh, and I feel terrible for Glory who, you know, I'm sure did not want this. But it goes to show, man, security at these events sometimes is a thin veneer of what it actually should be. Yeah. And it looks like that's what happened here.
1: That This looks like Bo Galata, which, you know, is a great reference for so many people. Remember that 1996 heavyweight boxing match, disqualification brawl in the crowd and, you know, Lou Duva's body getting carried out and Jim Lampley not knowing where his daughter was. But, uh, Luke, you... It, it, it could go so bad so quickly, and that's why I always say, having been there for UFC 229, having Habib's co-manager pinned down on top of my laptop and cuffed, so I was like in it, people jumping barrier left and right, it looked like that thing was going to get swallowed up and become what you just saw on that video screen. And I still say to this day, Luke, UFC got lucky that shit got, got handled quick because... Uh, you get fight crowd versus crowd with differing backgrounds, you know, re, you know, nationality wise, you know, whatever. I mean, in the shit that was talked, it, it that's bad for business, Luke. That's anytime you anytime Super you put bad the, for customer safety in question, that's real bad for business.
2: Yeah. And uh, you gotta remember, kickboxing has a weird history in the Netherlands too, where there was a lot of tie-ins historically with organized crime. Obviously, Glory has tried to clean that up and has had some success with it. But when you have barbarians throwing chairs at your events, you know, it's not going to make regulators look upon it favorably. So we'll see what happens. Um, Dude, I was at... that's don't forget, it, BC.
1: Don't forget, in 2002, uh, Luke, I was at the Guns N' Roses riot in Philadelphia when Axel never made the plane trip. Don't forget that, okay? Never forget that.
2: I won't. Uh, BC, I really do have to get out here because I have a plane I got to catch because we are taking our talents to South Beach. Hell yeah. We have some stuff and some meetings planned tomorrow. We were going to do a live show, I believe, from CBS on Wednesday, if memory serves. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited. I will see you probably a little later tonight or tomorrow morning.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a great time. We're going to pump out some really fun content in and around uh, Wednesday's MK episode. We're going to meet, by the way, and really plot the future. Um, there's our handles below if you want to follow us, like, the video subscribe on youtube it really does go a long way just like when we put you out there to vote for all these awards this stuff sort of uh you know, it dots the I's, crosses the T's, so to speak, in us uh, doing this on a much bigger level, and that's what we want to do for you. So uh, thank you for the support, everyone out there. Uh, I look forward to next seeing you Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern on YouTube from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Let's do it. You can buy our merch at morningcombat.store. Luke, we just talked to RJ, uh, RJ Dunkel, uh and the, uh, the, the merch maven. Um, shit's moving. So if you want to get that that uh mk tube morning tube is that what they're calling that luke
2: i don't know i haven't talked to rj balls a shaven
1: I you want not. that filthy gross shirt right there that rj's you know the nerve of rj luke to go you know what
2: bc i've got to catch a plane. i'm gonna
1: buddy. gamble to catch that our listeners are degenerates and want this piece of clothing on them i'm gonna gamble right that that's the case
2: i know it wasn't like we had a long meeting about it it just showed up we we're like okay let's see how this goes. Um, Showtime is the label that pays. Showtime.com. Get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, Pound Sand. We got the Costa Zub, or sorry, Tim Zoo I should say, and Tarogo Sheafight coming up very soon. So if you want to take a look at that, you got to get it on Showtime. Um, for Brian Campbell, for Malka, for CBS Sports, for Athletic Greens, and everyone else involved, Showtime, that's Brian Campbell. I'm Luke Thomas. We will see y'all Wednesday. I'll have extra credit out later tonight, maybe tomorrow morning. And until then, may all of your gains be loyal.